Recording has started. Chair uh, Yankee, would you like to introduce the meeting? Okay. Um, welcome to the special meeting of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force for August 22nd, 2023 at 6 p.m. And it looks like at 6.03 now, and I'll turn it over to our clerk, Cheryl Leger, to introduce the, uh, the meeting. This is a special meeting of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Today's date is August 22nd, 2023. Uh, remote access and our in-person participation is allowed. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and its committees convene hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance in-person public comment, remote access for petitioners and respondents, and remote public comment via teleconference. That's via WebEx. The WebEx remote login link number matter number is T-I-N-Y-U-R-L period C-O-M forward slash 24R7VC7P. The password is sunshine. The telephone comment Call-in number is 415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2596-2812-193, pound, pound. Press star three to enter the speaker line. Members of the public may participate by phone or may submit their comments by email to the SOTF at sfgov.org. All comments received will be made a part of the official record. Sunshine Ordinance Task Force agendas and their associated documents are available at sfbos.org forward slash sunshine. Chair uh, Yankee, do you want to read me? You can go ahead and read it. All right, meeting decorum. Any member of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force may call for decorum due to, due to the disorderly conduct of meeting participants. Person who engaged in threatening and or menacing behavior may be asked to leave. Okay, thank you. And if you can call item number one. Item number one, call to order, roll call, and agenda changes. We will begin with roll call. Member Wolf. Aye, here. Member present. Wolf present. Member Hill, not present. Member Pilpel. Present. Member Pilpel present. Member Highland. Present. Member Highland present. Member Stein. Present. Member Stein present. Member Sugarman. Present. Member Sugarman present. Member LaHood. Present. Member LaHood present. Member Schmidt, not present. Vice Chair Wong, not present. Uh, Chair Yankee. Present. Chair Yankee present. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven present. Seven. Okay. So we have a quorum. We have a quorum. Okay. Are there any agenda changes? None that I'm aware of. Okay. I'll just note that um, the complainant, Mr. Brzezanski, um, for file number 22054, which is listed as item number 10, asked, asked for a continuance. Um, I informed him that since it did not, his uh, request did not meet our administrative reasons for granted automatic continuance, that he's free to prevent, uh, present his case for why he should have a continuance when we get to that item. So that will be, if he is here, he can present that as 22054. Um, and I don't have any other agenda changes. I'm sorry, speaking low, what were you saying? I said that uh, Mr. 
Bazanski had asked for an agenda change, but that we will hear from it did not fall into one of the predetermined reasons where we can automatically um, continue the file. So he can make that case when we get to his file, if he so chooses. And not see anything else from the members. We can open that up for public comment. Uh, yes, if anyone would like to make public comment, you can raise your hand this time uh, using the, the WebEx program. At this time, we only have one person with us remotely. If you'd like to make public comment, please raise your hand. Okay, I do not see any hands raised at this time. I believe we can close public comment. Okay, thank you. And we will go ahead and close public comment and move on to item number two. Item number two, welcome new task force members and introductory remarks. Okay, um, I just wanted to note that we do have two new members. We have um, Sal Sugarman in seat number three and David Pilpel in seat number nine. And so I just wanted to give them both an opportunity to introduce themselves to the task force and to anyone who may be listening. So I'll turn it over to um, Mr. Sugarman first and see you at seat three. Hi there, I'm Saul Sugarman. I don't have a preparation of remarks to make. I am a longtime journalist and specifically in San Francisco, I have been a writer here for 13 years, currently the editor of the Bold Italic. And I'm mostly looking forward to getting into issues of public records and working with all of you. Thank you. And Mr. Pilpel. Great, uh, David Pilpel, uh, returning to the task force for my fourth tour of duty, um, having served uh, uh, previously as a vice chair, chair, chair of EOT, um, been involved in Prop G in 1999, um, all kinds of things, um, and back to the original drafting in 1993. So um, I just wanted to briefly highlight my three goals uh, for this particular term. For me, one is to work on me, one is to work on the task force, and one is to work on amendments. So as to me, I can be very verbose and I'm going to try not to be. I'm going to try to be more concise and precise. And if I have something useful to say, I will try to weigh in on that. And if not, I will try to shut up. And if I am veering off course on that, I would ask all of you to gently or not so gently uh, move me in the right direction. Uh, as to the task force, it is my belief that the task force is incredibly important in the city and does not have a very good reputation uh, among city departments, uh, creates a lot of frustration with complainants and respondents, with departments, all kinds of folks. So whatever I can do to help the group make the task force more useful, effective, and relevant, that's where I'm headed. Um, and that is everything from procedures, backlog, policy, the whole nine yards. Uh, and then third, as to amendments, it has been literally 25 years since Prop G was started. Lots has changed in terms of technology, access, privacy, surveillance, any number of things. And the efforts that are underway are incredibly important, will take time, and as I think I've said at committee meetings, I think we need to carefully balance the benefits and the burdens um, that we're suggesting with uh, changes and consider all viewpoints there. So that's what I'm going to try to do, and I will leave it at that. Thank you. 
Thank you. And anything else from any other members? Are we allowed to claim people for committees? Not yet. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do it when we get to the administrator's report. We do schedule eight. So we'll do that for item number eight. Um, I have first dibs. <laughs> Committee of one. And uh, let's go ahead and open that up to public comment then. Yes, if you'd like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time through the application. We still only have one person with us at this time. Okay, and I'm assuming they're not raising their hand and we have no one here, so we will go ahead and close public comment on that. And let's go ahead and move on to item number three. Item number three, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force Special Meeting of July 25, 2023. Okay, I'll just note that we're going to have several um, meeting approvals in a row here. Um, there were some old uh, committee meeting minutes that we haven't gotten to yet, but the first one is just our last meeting. So this is the more recent version, and I will open it up to the members if anyone has any edits. Member Pupo? Um, okay, so for items three through seven, I spent some time this afternoon uh, doing edits. I will pass them up to Cheryl, the um, the non-substantive um, edits, the type of minor league things. I'm not going to call out um, unless people want them. There were a couple that I did want to call out because I thought they were more uh, important. Um, on page nine, I don't think member LaHood should be listed as absent, but I think recused is better. I will catch up. Hang on. Okay. Well, um, no, I have to be absent because we don't recuse. Oh, well, I okay. mean, you, because there wasn't a motion. Okay. So she left the room. Absent. She left the meeting. Accurate. She walked out. She walked. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Then we'll leave that. So then it was not an actual recusal. You just did not participate. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm I don't know, Chair Yankee. What do you say? She left the room. She was yeah. absent. Okay. So she she's self recused essentially. All right. It's just. That's um, excuse me, David. I was preoccupied with watching Dean walk into the room to get his time. Could you, would you mind repeating what you thought? I, I, I don't think there was anything substantive yet. We're, it was a colloquy. It, okay. It's all good. Um, uh, let's see. And on the respond, oh, on page 10, item 10, it should say the respondent was present at the meeting, but it does not indicate who was the representative of DEM. Who is present via WebEx? So, if it's possible to determine that, and I think this is the set. Yes, I'm sorry. Back on page seven, the reference to Lieutenant Toomey from the police department. I assume Lieutenant Toomey has a first name, and that would be nice to know. Other than that, the rest of the stuff is non-substantive. Um, with that, I will move to approve. Okay, so there's a, a motion on the floor to approve the meeting minutes with the substantive edits. Nonsense. Well, whatever. Mentioned by uh, Member Pilpel, plus a variety of non-substantive clerical edits that he will submit to Clerk Leger. Do we have a second for that or any other? Member Highland seconds. Okay, so seconded by Member Highland. Uh, members, any other comments on this set of meeting minutes? If not, we'll go to public comment. Uh, yes, Mr. Chuck. Okay, go ahead, Member uh, Wolf. 
So I, um, I appreciate um, the uh, providing non substantive uh, 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 changes, but sometimes they do make a difference and it's up, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. So, um, you know, it would be nice to get at least a little scope of what a non substantive uh, change might be. Is it just a comma being here and there, or is it actual mm -hmm. correct corrections of of uh, of uh, like uh, words that were not spelled right? Or um, member Pilpel, maybe you can run through some of these to give everyone an idea of what these are. So, to uh, member Wolf, an example is on page three, the second reference to Peter Warfield Library Users Association. I think there's no um, apostrophe, and so it's just removing the apostrophe. The most arguably substantive would be on page uh, five, item five, the um, action. I rewrote it slightly to say moved by member Schmidt, seconded by member Wolf to continue item 5C to a future SOTF meeting for a full hearing. In addition, it was requested that the 300 pages not be included in future agendas and that the audio link from the committee meeting be sent to all members of the SOTF. It, it literally just rewrites it slightly to read better. Does that answer your question? It, it answers my question. I, a rewording though is not non-substantive. Okay. Are there any further ones for this set, Member Popel? That's the... I read practically all of them now. Okay, so I think uh, Member Pilpel has read them all into the record at this point, Member Wolf. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, so let's not see any other hands. So let's go to public comment on this. Yes, if there's anybody who'd like to make public comment at this time, you can uh, raise your hand by hitting star three if you're on the telephone or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. Okay, we currently have three people with us on, online, and I do not see any hands raised at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment and not seeing other hands among the members. Let's go ahead and move to a, a vote. Cheryl, when you're ready. Here, who made the... I was moved by Member Pilpel, seconded by Member Highland. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, and then for the record, just before we do that, uh, let's note that Member Schmidt is here at 6.12 p.m. Did. You did, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Uh, Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Vice Chair Wong, absent. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. So Eight in favor. Eight ayes and two absent. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to item number four. Item number four, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force Rules Committee meeting of October 11, 2022, pursuant to bylaw article five, section one. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. As I mentioned earlier, um, our 
it's either a complaint procedure or bylaws state that if uh, media minutes aren't approved within six months, they can be approved by the full task force. So this is the first set of those. Um, I'll open it up if anyone has any edits. And it looks like member Pilpel does. Um, so to member uh, Wolf um, specifically, but everyone who's uh, listening, the more substantive edits on page 15, I tried to shorten my comment to read David Pilpel commented on task force bylaws and complaint procedures period um, on the action on item four, seconded by member Stein comma to request that member Stein form an uh, annual report ad hoc committee rather than direct. I thought that was a better word on the bottom of page 15. I think the vote was two to nothing with one uh, absent, not three. Um, top of page 16, efficiency edits to the complaint process. Um, page 17, member Highland stated in the past other Sunshine groups have come in and spoken for information purposes. And then I also shortened my comment on page 18 to say David Pilpel cautioned about ad hoc committees, period. I think shorter is better. The others are non-substantive. I would so move. Is is that a motion to approve with those edits? Yes. Okay, so uh, move to approve the meeting minutes uh, with the edits um, by Member Pilpel. Do we have a second? Member Hyland will second since I was there. Seconded by Member Hyland. Um, may I make a comment just yes, uh, sure. for actually for member Sugarman, uh, just because this was confusing to me at the beginning. Um, uh, member Pilpel has been referring to the page numbers at the bottom of the pages, mm -hmm. which are different than the page numbers in the PDFs, because the ones at the bottom of the pages refer to the entirety of the packet, which is broken up for us. So if the page numbers don't make sense. Yes. You might be people, some people refer to the ones at the bottom. Some people refer to the ones in the. Uh, PDF, the PDF num page number. Yes, thank you. That does yeah. actually clear up a few I, I was having. I, <laughs> <laughs> that was an excellent point. Yeah, we start at number one for the first one, and then it just continues on. So as we get to number item four, it'll be the next page number where item three left off and so forth and so on. Thank you. All right. It's a good thing it resets for each meeting. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it would be yeah, very high. Okay. And Suggestion, David, you've got to speak up into the microphone. Sorry. Okay. Okay, um, any other comments on that motion? Seeing none, let's go ahead and move to public comment. Yes, if anybody would like to make public comment at this time, you can use the application to raise your hand in case you'd like to make public comment. And if you're in the room, you can approach the podium. Okay, I'm not seeing any indications for public comment at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor, and see no one in the room. Um, I think we can move to a vote. So, sure, when you're ready. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Vice Chair Wong, absent. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight in favor. Okay, eight in favor and two absent. Let's go ahead and move on to item number five. Um, we have to show, read it first. Yeah. Yeah. 
Item number five, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force Information Technology Committee meeting of March 22nd, 2022, pursuant to bylaw article five, section one. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Again, same thing with these. These are older set of meeting minutes from one of the information technology committee meetings. So I think I saw Mr. Uh, Member Pilpel's hand. So I will turn it over to him for his edits. These are pretty non-substantive. Broadcasted becomes broadcast. IT department becomes IT staff. Standardization becomes standard. Q is spelled correct. Yeah, non-substantive. Okay. Uh, any other minutes? I'm sorry, Member Wolf, did you have a comment? Yeah, I was just going to, I'm just move the minutes. Okay. So I, I can second it. It's okay. What, who, who wants to take credit for the? I'll move Bruce a second. Okay. We'll have uh, moved by Member Pilpel, seconded by Member Wolf to approve those meeting minutes with the non substantive edits. Any other comments by the members? Seeing none, let's go ahead and move to public comment on that. Victor? Uh, yes, uh, if there's anybody who would like to make public comment, we give me a moment. Yeah, one more person log in. Yes, if there's anybody who would like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time by using the application to raise your hand. I am seeing no indications for public comment at this time. Okay. So we'll go ahead and close public comment and see no other hands. I think we're ready for a vote. So Cheryl, when you're ready. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill. Absent. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Vice Chair Wong, absent. Fair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight in favor. Okay, eight in favor and two absent. Let's go ahead and move on to item number six. Item number six, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force Information Technology Committee meeting of July 12, 2022, pursuant to bylaw Article 5, Section 1. Okay, our last set of these uh, meeting minutes to approve. Any edits on these? And Member Pilpel. Um, so this actually has a couple of interesting bits on page 24 of the printed packet. Um, it actually wasn't Chair Yankee, it was Chair Wolf. I thought that was. Yeah, okay, so interesting. that, uh, uh, Cheryl, as part of item number one, says Chair Yankee called the meeting to order. I was not at that meeting. It was Chair Wolf. It was Chair Wolf. So that yeah. needs to be Chair Wolf. Um, some other non. What was Chair Wolf? I was trying to find my name. Item number one, call to order. You say you have Chair Yankee called the meeting to order at 5.33 p.m. Right. I wasn't present at that. That was Chair Wolf. I'm skipping, okay. I'm skipping the non-substantive on page 27. This may require uh, Cheryl to go back and check the vote on item six. Indicates two eyes, but does not indicate member Hill vote, nor does it indicate the member Hill um, left during the meeting. So I don't know what happened with member Hill. So sure, this is possible. Do you see what he's talking about? Number six. So he either needs to be listed as being absent member Hill, or he needs to be, if he voted, his vote needs to be recorded properly. The rest of it is 
non-substantive and ISO move. Okay, so moved by member Pell to, I'm sorry, member Wolf, did you have something? Yeah, I was gonna say I'll second and I picked up the same items as member Pell. Okay, excellent. So moved by member Pell, seconded by member Wolf. To approve the meeting minutes as amended. See no other hands. Let's go ahead and move to public comment on this. Yes, if anybody would like to make public comment on this item, you can raise your hand uh, through the application to indicate you'd like to make public comment. I do not see any hands raised at this time. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment and move to a vote. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Wolf. Fumbling for the mute button. Aye. <laughs> Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Hill, absent. Vice Chair Wong, absent. Mem uh, Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight in favor. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to item number seven. Item number seven, approval of the orders of determination. File number 22132, Michael Petrellis against Supervisor Asha Safai, Board of Supervisors. File number 22133, Michael Petrellis against Supervisor Dean Preston, Board of Supervisors. File number 22052, Lee Heidekus against Megan Bourne in the Fine Arts Museum. File number 22082, Michael Petrellis against the Department of Public Health. File number 22080, uh, Mukund Rothy and the Electronic Frontier Foundation against Lieutenant Raleigh and the Police Department. File number 21150, Maria Schulman against Justine Alberto and the Animal Care and Control Department. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Um, do we have any edits to these orders of determination? Member Popel. Um, I didn't have anything huge here. There were a couple things that I might have written a little differently, but um, I'll just pass those in and leave them to um, Cheryl to work through. The only real substantive thing on page 40, um, file number 22133, Complaint filed by Michael Petrellis against Supervisor Dean Preston. That's how it's captioned. And yet on the bottom of page 40, um, the action suggests that there was a finding that Supervisor Safai <laughs> violated the ordinance. So I think uh, assuming the task force found a violation against Supervisor Preston, we should probably change Safai to Preston here. Um, and just an, an observation, although the order in the packet is, no, the order in the packet is different from the order on the agenda and neither of them are in order by file number. So I don't care which system we use, but it would be good for the order in the packet to follow the order on the agenda and maybe for the order on the agenda to be, I don't know, numerical, just a thought. I don't care that much. Okay, thank you, Member Pilpel. Cheryl, do you see the Substantive edit that he requested. Yeah, underneath the July 25th date for Mr. Preston, Supervisor Preston. 
uh yeah yeah it says moved by member yeah right it has launched supervisor's name and i will i will so move with those edits okay so moved by uh member pilpel to approve the orders of determination with the edit and do we have a second um hang on i have a question i'm sorry so because of the attention that was brought to that so there's a file 22132 that is against Safai and then 22133 it's is against Preston are both of them in the file or were those compressed into one there were there were separate ones it okay. was there were there were it. it was one motion to approve both consent agenda items that were separate files so one was a complaint against supervisor Preston the other one was a complaint against supervisor Safai and we adopted the finding of violation Got against it. both of them respectively and i wasn't at that meeting which is why i had the question That's thank right. you yep. Okay, who seconds? Do we have a second for that? This is Member Stein, I second. Okay, seconded by Member Stein. We move for public comment. Uh, any other members have edits? Not seen any? Okay, let's go ahead and move to public comment then. Yes, if there's anybody who'd like to make public comment at this time, you can use the application to raise your hand. Then if you'd like to make public comment. Okay, I'm not seeing any signs of uh, requests for public comment at this time. Okay, uh, we'll go ahead and close public comment and we're ready for a vote. Member Pilpel? Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Mem Vice Chair Wong, absent. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three. Eight in favor. Okay, great. And just like that, we're now one third through our items. So look at that within 30 minutes. Moving on to item number eight. Okay, item number eight is the administrator's report. Let's see. We begin with today's uh, Compliance and Amendments Committee and Sunshine Task Force. Uh, the committee meeting at 4, the task force at 6 p.m. Um, as we had last month as well, this is kind of a slow month for, slow two months for uh, new uh, complaints that have come in. Uh, you all might be wondering what the columns are or what they mean to the right of the dates. Let, let's, before we get into the first part, let's stop at the tentative hearing schedule um, so that we can get to Member LaHood's point, which is trying to, number one, um, see if you want to get anyone on your committees, and then number two, making sure that all these dates are right. And yeah, so the first thing that jumps out at me is I will not be here for a meeting on December 26th. <laughs> yes, I noticed that too, that that is uh, probably a problematic date. Yes. Um, what date? December 26th. Boxing oh. Day. That's right, Boxing so, Day. Um, I know that's a ways out, but I definitely won't be able to be here. But I, since uh, Member Pilpel has expressed interest in uh -oh. uh, amendments, <laughs> uh, 
unless uh, uh, Chair Yankee, if you had other ideas for distribution of members to committees. No, so let, yeah, let's just stop there. So just to clarify, the chair makes the appointments. We don't actually have to put that as an action, but I'm, right. I'm, I want to be where they want to be, right? Um, currently, we have member Wolf who is serving on two committees and that has been fantastic. And, and thank you very much, member Wolf for doing that. Is there one committee you'd prefer to continue on so that we can make room for our new members to serve on committees? I'd like to continue on uh, CAC. Okay, that's wonderful. So, it looks like we'll have a vacancy on complaint committee. And a there currently is a vacancy since member Pavanabin left us on EOT. So I'll turn it over to member Pilpel and member Sugarman to see if they have interest in either of those committees. Um, I, I certainly have served on and chaired uh, EOT before I, I probably served on other committees, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Um, my general sense of time commitment. Uh, at least as relates to me, I am happy to do full task force once a month. I'm happy to do one other committee once a month. I would prefer not to be on complaint since that due respect that meets monthly. I'd be happy to serve on EOT or compliance or both, depending on how that uh, works. Um, and historically we have had generally 3 members on committees, but we've had up to 5 members on committees so as not to get to a quorum. So we could, we don't have, we can decide whatever we're deciding for tonight for the moment, but in the future, we could uh, decide to restructure some of this so that each member perhaps is serving in, in a way that gets them to the full task force once a month and to a committee once a month. However, we've got it structured with rules meeting as needed. So I'm, I'm open to being slightly poached, but likely not for complaint. And Chair Yank, just a quick note. Yes. Uh, I think we forgot about rules committee. That's also an option. Yes, yeah, so we'll have to do, I mean, we've kind of been on a pause for those because um, with the clerk's office having to devote two staff members still with the ongoing remote public comment, um, we've kind of been asked to limit our committee meetings to okay. two a month. So if we were to reactivate rules, it would be in lieu of one of the ones that ordinarily meets. Gotcha. Okay. So we kind of, I've been doing my best if it's a rules ish related thing to move it into one of the other committees that might gotcha. best be able to kind of handle that. Because right now, I think it's just Member Stein and I on that. I'm, yeah. So just the two of us on rules right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So we're we're. Available whenever you sounds good slotted in and then yeah. member Sugarman. Do you have any thoughts about what sounds good to you? Um, I honestly just want to say that you should tell me what might sound good. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't know in terms of both qualification and time commitment. I can all I can tell you is I am quite busy right now, but. I will do what well, you know what I'll do. Um, I will turn it over to member Schmidt to talk about the complaint committee. So maybe he can uh, recruit you for that. Uh. An opportunity. <laughs> I will take him if uh, if he's willing to serve on the grueling uh, complaints committee. That would be good. Yeah. So so just a little background. Um, Unless Chris, you know, Chris usually poaches my people. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So so generally speaking, the complaint committee is the committee that I would say the most of our initial complaints go to. Um, they typically find what jurisdiction, 
Um, I think they've been a, doing a, a good job of making recommendations to the full task force, essentially get everything ready so that we're not starting all the way at the beginning of the file and they can kind of start the process for us by the time the complaint moves to the full task force. So that's the, the main role of them. If I'm, if I'm I'll just add that like, it's, it is a lot microphone. of reading because you're reading the complaints before they come to the microphone. It's a lot of reading because you're reading the complaints before they come to the full task force, but then they all most all inevitably do come before the full task force and then you just need to you know review them. So it's the, there's a little bit of makeup for all the reading that you do up front later when you, you know, it's the second time that you're looking at them. He's probably the fastest reader amongst us, I would, I would guess. <laughs> is that the grueling part? Yeah, I think it is. The reading is the hard part. I try to make the meetings go as fast as possible. Yeah. It's, it's really just sorting apples to apples, oranges to oranges, so that when it hits the full committee, it makes sense and we're not. So it's. It's a way. It's a good way for a newbie to get into the meat of things because it, it kind of you kind of jump in at the very beginning of the case. You get to see it first before we all do. So in that sense, it's. And what happens if that isn't a good fit? We can have. We, we can. We can, can try it, and we could try it, and then talk about it again next month. Okay, just making sure. Then you get punished with having another committee. No. <laughs> I mean, my understanding is that um, we may have. There's obviously additional open seats that there might be additional turnover. Um, so I think we're going to have to do one way or another reexamine all these assignments anyway. So we can kind of consider this an interim. Setup. Yeah, yeah, it's there's you're not bound to stay in, in yeah. any one of the committees. Just let me you know can, if something. Yeah, just just tell the chair. Okay. So does complaint sound okay for you? Sure. For okay. Yes. So we will, um, I'll make a decision to assign Mr. Sugarman to complaints and then. Mr. Pilpel to EOT, did you? Again, for the moment, and we'll. For the moment, and we'll talk about this again, or just email me. This is, a, again, this is not a thing we have to vote on. This is the chair makes the assignments. Um, but it's better to do, I think, in public so everyone can see the thought process behind it. Um, so that doesn't need a vote, but do we need to adjust, or do we want to adjust any of the hearing times and dates at this point? Um, I'm not sure we necessarily need to all the way in December 26th yet. But I would just like to flag that one uh, that I will not be here and um, I will I will not be in the state. It should probably get found anyway. Member Wolf. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering if it's even worthwhile to have any meetings during that week. Not many meetings in City Hall happen. I don't know how many staff will be here. You know, uh, you know, it help uh, run the meeting as far as the building. Is concerned. Um, that, that's the the final week in December you're speaking of. Correct. Through New Year's Day. Yeah, that's probably a good point. And then, let's see. I'm just looking at any other ones we have. Let's see. The week of Thanksgiving. I don't know. That would be twenty eighth. No, that's okay. I think the twenty first. That'd be complaints. Is there any issue, Member Schmidt? Member. That's a Tuesday before. Dine. Are you going to come? Are they going to complain about? <laughs> uh, November? If November, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm okay. You're okay for now. Seems fine. Okay. Um, think everything else. I don't see any holidays that are jumping out. Um, so, uh, member football. I just want to suggest to member uh, Lahood or Chair Lahood that um, maybe at the compliance meeting in October you can discuss alternatives for December. 
whether to do it, whether to move it. That's a great idea. We can totally do that. Schedule that way. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we'll flag that, but not take any mm -hmm. action right now. That sounds that sounds good. Um, since that could have potentially been an action item, I will go ahead and open it up to public comment now, just at this point, and then we'll complete the rest of the administrator's report. So open up to public comment on what we just discussed. Is that a new word? Actiony. I like. I'm sorry. Is that a new word? Actiony. Actiony. Yeah. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, we hear <laughs> Okay. If anybody would like to make public comment on what's been discussed so far on this item. You can raise your hand at this time by press uh, by using the application to raise your hand. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands raised at this time. I'm going to close public comment. Okay, and I there's no one in here either, so we will go ahead and close public comment, and I will turn it back over to Ms. Leger to finish up her administrative report. Okay, uh, like I said in the beginning, there's a schedule of. Uh, committee meetings and task force meetings through the end of December. Uh, item number one, petitions, complaints, and some complaints submitted and hearing files created. So you, Matthew asked me about this question too. You will notice uh, the, the columns that are to the very right of the date the cases were open. Um, I was explaining to my supervisor, Lisa Samara, that um, many times I will get like a new new complaint form, but no supporting documents telling me about what their action really involves. And so sometimes, you know, as soon as I get the new complaint form, I open a case file, I put it in there, and then I send an email out to the petitioner saying, please give me your your records that support your item. And I have to wait for them to come back. So I can send the email out, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna get an automatic response. So she asked me to add, include this column in our chart so that um, she will have a better understanding of what these dates really mean. And that's what I'm telling you they are, what they mean. So Sharon, let me just pause you real fast there. Um, I had suggested, and I think we should do this, we should actually put the written heading on these um, so that we everyone knows. I mean, you're explaining it here, but anyone who's not you know available for, for your explanation wouldn't particularly know what that is. You know, and also to clarify, you know, which what's the file number, where you know who's the respondent, who's the complainant, and then the complaint dates are missing for two three zero six five and two three zero six six, so those need to get filled in as well. Yeah, I saw them. Okay, uh, item number two: pending petitions, complaints before the task force. So, as you guys see, every month um, our numbers go down. The in the uh, earlier years, uh, 2018 is completely uh, taken care of and uh, we are up to date. 2019, we only have three cases that are waiting uh, review CAC compliance committee. Um, and the numbers get, and they grow as the years come become more current. Um, so I fill them in as um, they need to be. Um, we still have, like for this year, 33 cases waiting committee, and we have 18 cases that have been heard by the task force. And we have yet to draft any ODs or put a case uh, available for a CAC review. Uh, I remember through complaint committee minutes. Let me pause real fast, Cheryl. Um, could I ask, since there's a decided but waiting OD, and I see one from 2020 and four from 2022, um, I think there was a a push to get all the ODs 
done, approved. Um, so I'm kind of surprised we still have some from that long ago. If I could just make the request that we get those on the next meeting agenda so we can finally clear that column out. That should just be administrative on your part to, to draft those. So you said for 2020 and 20 oh, everything there's, there's 5 of them, right? There's 1 for 2020 and then 4 for 2022. We really should get that that zeroed out. There's no reason to, to have pending ODs waited from 4 years ago. They'll be for just free. like these just as yeah. one. Okay. Uh, complaint committee minutes from July 18 were included. We had some public communications. And then you may see an extensive list of uh, emails received. There were many. They were from May to August. So that's um, June, July, August. That's almost three, almost three months of emails that I have received. Um, but as you all know, uh, the months of the month of August is um, uh, it's when the um, board of supervisors does not meet and people take vacations. So yes, we are going to get lower numbers. We are. Um, somebody say something. I just had a quick question on on, on item two, or if you're still on that. Uh, so th let me just understand. So, of the ODs in 2023, we have 33 awaiting committee, which means what exactly? They haven't been heard. These are new cases that are still. If you were to look at my chart, which I'm happy to send it to you. We have a, a very extensive list of cases that are blue that I have sent out requests for initial documents gotcha. okay. that I I'm still awaiting information before I can even send it to a committee. Gotcha. So those, those are basically open cases in the queue, if you like. Yeah. In the queue to go to okay. a committee. I try to get them to complaints first. Okay. And then awaiting SOTF decisions. We have. That eight, means eight. they've been heard by committee. They. In my chart, they'd be orange, so I know exactly what cases are ready to go okay. to the task force. So we haven't we haven't issued any ODs this year, today. We just did six of them today. These are the ones that are just that, that um, okay. the next column. We've that that was my point. We've been very good about keeping up on our ODs and not letting ODs. But I'm not sure how these five from back then never got. Okay, I guess my next question is because uh, you know I'm, I'm looking at our website. There's there's zero for the year, so these six would be the first six that would go in. No, and I, I talked to you before about that, Cheryl. We've issued many ODs for this year, and yet they're still missing from the website. And you said you're going to do website okay, review. Okay, well, any OD that was uh, drafted in 2022 goes in the 2022 directory. Right, they, so. But there have been none for 2023. Are you putting them? In the, I talked to Victor about this, and we just thought it made more sense not to put. Microphone, please. It just made more sense to not put, and Victor might want to chime in to put uh, ODs in the year in which they've been heard because that can be confusing. So the year in which it, the Kate, the file number originated exactly is, is the year. It's the year it gets. That's put interesting. Into. I, I well, I don't know if we want to get. Well, okay, I think we're using a mishmash of of verse. So, are you saying that any file number that begins with? Two two will be under. So if I open up two two, the first one two three four files I see begin with two one. So why are they in two two and not in the two one? Well, we should pick a consistent. It should either be the file when it was opened. So anything that any file that begins with two one should be in the twenty twenty one, and so forth. Or if it's when we decided it, well, we should do just, it. But it needs to be one. You know, I had discussed this with Victor, and this is not to usurp anything that Bruce Wolf had said, but he wanted. 
cases. He wanted the ODs in the in the the year that the case was heard. So we may have had a, a case that opened in 2021, like December. Um, if you don't mind me interrupting, we will make the correction. If it's in the wrong year, we'll move it. Okay, I, I think. Uh, so where is it? Where will they yeah. go? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're looking under the first two digits of each file number. Okay, I think that makes to me that makes the most sense. So if I'm looking for a file number that begins with two two, I'm going to look and click the 2022. That's link. what we were trying to do. Okay, Mr. Chair. Yeah, Member Wolf. Yeah, I would suggest that there must be some instruction above that section of the website describing that even if your complaint had been determined in a future year, that it is filed in the year that it was uh, submitted. I think that's an excellent idea. So if we could put maybe some text on, on the website by orders of determination and say, you know, essentially what Member Wolf just said, that, you know, um, orders of determination are filed based on the year that they were, you know, initiated or issued or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Or, or that the file was opened, not that necessarily that the task force made the decision. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. okay. I think we're good. That was a, a good point because that is confusing to yeah. try to figure out where things are. If I was a complainant, I would be struggling. Some other comments on the admin report when we get to. Oh, okay. Um, anything else, Cheryl? I'm sorry. Did Did you have anything else? Uh, just the emails that uh, we got. Um, this is almost two and a half months worth of emails. But while we're on this subject, do you? We have a hearing coming up September six. Is there an administrator's report that you need me to put together for September six? Um. Yes. What does everyone think? Does anyone interested in having an administrative report yeah. in, for two weeks? It's now? two weeks worth of What's, information. I, I think we're probably okay without it. Maybe get an extra case. And how's our caseload looking? Um, I, we're going to probably have six files on there, so it's going to be a pretty hefty agenda. Not yeah. counting any policy. Right. I don't thing. think we want to scare the new members too much. I'm not worried about pill pill, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm okay personally unless someone really wants to see this with holding off the administrator's report and get back on a schedule of just having it in October. I'm not sure a two weeks worth administrative report is all that helpful. Not seeing any objections to that. So, okay. So, Cheryl, um, go ahead. No, no administrator's report for um, September. You may want to put a line item just saying um, due to recent admin report. September's will be postponed till October. I, I, you're mumbling. I can't hear yeah. what you're saying. Just even. No. Okay. Ne never mind. Moving on. Okay. Uh, I think Member Pilpel had some issues with the administrative reports. I'll turn it over to him. Uh, observations. Um, in general, I think the administrative report should be on each regular task force agenda. But in this case, I don't feel that strongly because it's two weeks. Blah blah blah. Uh, I'll live with that. Um, on page 44, um, sorry, not the same page as the, anyway, on page 44, um, to Cheryl, the date looks like it was just carried forward from May. So if we could just um, attend to the date in the future. And if you could also add a line with your name, I think it's helpful for the uh, future record who was the administrator at the time because we've been through a number over the years. And I think it's, it's just useful to say that it was you, which is fine. Um, on the, we talked about the hearing schedule. That's fine. On the 
new complaints uh, filed. I don't care that much about the various dates. I'm happy to just have any old date when a, when a complaint was filed, pick a date. I don't care which one. Um, I'd be more interested in another uh, column about uh, just characterizing the nature of the complaint if it's about records, if it's about meetings, if it's about 12L, if it's about something else, just sort of broad categories. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, so, for example, here, the MTA Brown Act violation, so presumably that's meeting related. I can't tell from these other things. I'm presuming that most of them are records related, but I don't know. Um, also, I recall in the past, and member Highland may be able to help me on this, there was a larger complaint log that listed like everything that we either got as part of the administrator's report or was available online that had sort of the the big matrix of everything that was still in the system, not the stuff that had closed, but the stuff that was still pending. I don't know where that is now. I assume we have it. Okay. I don't know if that's useful to members or the public or anybody or how to deal with that. I'm just I, thinking about that, right? I know you're thinking about it, but it's, um, it's massive and it's just it's massive. It's okay. it's big you know, okay. and it wouldn't fit on an eight and a half by 11 page. Then why don't I just put that in my little place for the moment and just be aware that that information exists. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I care, if anyone cares. Okay. On item two, the complaint summary by date, there are totals on the right. Can we also get a total on the bottom adding up those uh, columns? Yeah, I, I think member uh, Stein has asked for that multiple times. I support member Stein in that request. Um, the communication on item four, the communications that were included, I read through some of that. I'll try to get through the rest of it. That was actually interesting and informative. And the last bit, the list of uh, emails, that's been a, um, I don't know, either a bug or a feature of the task force for many years. I remember when I first started, we actually brought a folder of communications received and circulated that around members and anyone who cared would flag something and get a copy. That's how old I am. Um, I don't find a whole lot of value in this massive list of email, most of which is just day to day back and forth. I'm not asking for a change tonight, but maybe at a future meeting, maybe we can think about what value this particular list and chart has for us, for the public, how much time it takes staff to, to pull it. And are we just cutting down trees or adding a thing that doesn't do a whole lot? Things that are of policy import, like the things that were pulled, other things I think are useful, but this list isn't doing a lot for me. I'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. Okay. Thank you. Member Popel. Anyone else? Uh, Cheryl, do you know, or maybe Victor, why we put all the, the, the log of all the emails while you log your email. Give me a few minutes. I'm trying to look something up. Okay. Um, while Victor does that, I'll just. Just to let you know, it's the way I was trained. It was part of what we had to do. So okay. Doing. Um, the other, just, it's not a big thing at all, but I'm just going to point out that like on item number, if you look on page number 58 at the bottom, PDF page 16. It looks like there was a graphic that somehow got cut off. I don't know if you sometimes on Outlook, if you have to hit the download the pictures, 
we should probably do that if we're putting so you don't get blanked out graphics. I'm not sure if it was important or not, but just as a practice to make sure if there's images included that they that they get in there. Yeah, I remember this particular article. <laughs> Getting it to print, I couldn't get it to okay. print. Okay, it might just be that it wasn't there. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I would um, support the idea of cutting out anything that's really not used. Um, there are a few things I'd like to add in. Um, one is I, I'd like to be able to track how long a case is in the system, the average length of time that the case is in the system. I don't know how we can do that, and I haven't thought that through, but it's... The one thing that I'd be interested in, but in order to do some of the things we want to do, it's great to cut out things that we don't need. I guess on that point, is anyone finding use in the log of emails? Well, again, okay. maybe we don't have to decide. Oh, no, I know. Nice, I guess, but right. we can just. I, I, I'm not sure that it even needs a, a, a vote. If there's no one who's, who's asking for it, I think we could just ask the you know, Cheryl that too. Or, or maybe Cheryl and Victor could talk about whether there are alternatives to call that down somehow. Anyway, alternatives, and we can maybe make a choice next time we have the admin. Yeah, you guys make a choice. I mean, you know, we can produce the, the list or not. If you don't want it, that's fine. It doesn't take that much time to prepare. It probably takes 45 minutes. That may, that may be a good point. You don't want to Mr. Chair, it, fine. yeah, uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, I find that the log of emails are actually interesting to me because they there's sometimes um, comments that people bring that are pertinent um, to the work that we do, uh, and people are providing either their you know um, kind of personal experience or professional wisdom um, or what have you. And if there's no other way for me to be able to, you know, see what's the, the communications that are coming and going, um, you know, that's almost the transparency issue. So I would opt not to have to have all the emails printed out, but at least a list of what's coming in. Okay, so we have interest in it still, Cheryl, so I, I guess we don't need to change anything. Um, anything? I'll just add, I'm on the other side of that. I've looked through it so many times and I just don't feel like there's much substantive there. And it almost feels like to me, like very too micro, um, and not adding that much information. And I will just say that that's my perspective, but, um, I would kind of agree with member Schmidt. Like, it'd be really valuable to know how long the cases are in the system and what's happening. And that was something that we, that we compiled for the annual report. And it kind of took a lot of work to compile it because we had to cross or I had to cross reference like dates and things like that. And if it were laid out somewhere, I think that could be really useful, um, especially if we're going to think carefully about, um, you know, perhaps changing some of our procedures to shorten the amount of time that cases are in our system. It would be good to know. Uh, what's happening with them, where the hangups are and all of that. But I recognize that that's kind of a lot of work because I did it and I, I know, but it would be nice if we had that information organized within the task force. Um, uh, Victor, do you have comments? I'm sorry. Uh, yes, uh, I believe uh, I have the code section that was referred to. Uh, it's section 67.23 public review file policy body communications. 
And since uh, we are kind, we are part of the board of supervisors in a way. As uh, I believe, we this is the reason we uh, do the communication list. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, I just read it into the record. It states the clerk of the board of supervisors and the clerk of each board and commission enumerated in the charter shall maintain a file accessible to any person during normal business hours contain a copy of any letter memorandum or other communication which the clerk has distributed to or received from a quorum of the policy body concerning a matter calendared by the body within the previous 30 days or likely to be calendared. And it goes on. And by us maintaining a list of the communications, it's an easy way for us to pull those communications and provide them if so requested. Mr. Chair. Uh, I've never felt bell then member Wolf. So I, I take uh, Victor's point that section only refers to charter boards and commissions were an ordinance policy body. Nevertheless, I see the value in it. My, I guess my concern stems from what's actually on the list, most of which seems to me to be related to case files and scheduling. And that's what I'm not particularly interested in the other. If someone has an issue with scheduling, that's fine. Have whatever back and forth you need to have. If it needs to go in the file, it goes in that complaint file. It's the other stuff that is policy related. That's what I'm interested in. And I suspect that we're already getting most of that in actual, you know, printout. So that's why I would, I would leave it to Cheryl and, and Victor to perhaps to craft some middle ground if there is one. And I'm done talking about this for tonight, but I'm happy to hear from member Wolf. Uh, Member Wolf, go ahead. Yeah, so another purpose for this is not necessarily for us. Um, it also, I think, would be helpful for the our office because if members of the public were looking for communications uh, that came in, you know, between a particular time or what have you, they would have the ability to see a log of what was there. First of all, they can then pick and choose whatever was uh, listed in there. And it would it kind of relieve, um, you know, a lot of uh, labor uh, for for our limited staff uh, to have to go on a fishing expedition. Okay, thank you, Member Wolf. Um, I don't think we really had to make any decisions now, but Victor, Cheryl, if you have any ideas based on the discussion, you want to bring back to us next month? I think we can talk about it there if need be. Does anyone have anything else for this item? If Just not, I'll open it up. Member Wolf again. But one last thing. I mean, I know yeah. 6723 says each board and commission enumerated in the charter. But when you look at the charter section that enumerates it, it's it specifies appointive boards, commission, or any or 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 advisory body of any kind. It's a pretty broad definition. And that's what that section of the sunshine ordinance is referring to okay did you have anything else before i move on that's it thank you okay great okay so not seeing any other hands we'll go ahead and move to public comment yes if there's anybody who would like to make public comment on on this matter you can raise your hand to the application to indicate you'd like to make public comment I do not see any hands raised at this time. Okay, uh, we'll go ahead and close public comment and I think we're ready to move on. 
to the next item, which is number nine. Item number nine, public comment. Members of the public may address the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force on matters that are within the task force jurisdiction, but not on today's agenda. Yes, if there's anybody who would like to make general public comment at this time, you can use the application to raise your hand at this point in time. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands raised at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. And I'll note that there's no one, no members of the public here in the room with us. So I think we can go ahead and close general public comment and move on to item number 10. Item number 10, file number 22054, complaint filed by Stillian Bazanski against Deborah Liu and the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6721 and 6725 by failing to respond to an immediate disclosure request in a timely and or complete manner. On May 17, 2022, the Complaint Committee moved that the records are public, there is jurisdiction, and to forward the matter to the Task Force with the recommendation for no violation for timeliness and no privacy violations. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. So first, let's see if we have both the Complainant and respondent available. So, Victor, if you could check on that. Uh, yes, we have. Uh, I have uh, moved the participants to the participant list. You have control over your own microphone. Okay, so are they yeah, both here? Still in here. Great, welcome, Mr. Bazanski. And do we have some from the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office? Yes, this is Assistant Tax Collector Attorney Christopher Terrell. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, so before we begin, um, I had mentioned this earlier in the meeting. Uh, Mr. Bazanski, did you still want to request that your item be continued or would you prefer to present your case? I'm ready to present. You would like to present, so we can just go ahead and present? Great, okay. Yeah, uh, just one moment. So the way this is gonna work um, for the, the new folks and for anyone um, listening in, it's the, uh, we'll go start with the complainant. They'll have five minutes to present their case. Um, any parties uh, that are going to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the complainant will have three minutes to present. We'll then move to the respondent who will have five minutes to present. Um, we'll then give an opportunity to provide uh, any other parties for the respondent who has facts or evidence. Um, they'll have three minutes. Uh, the task force will then have an opportunity to ask clarifying questions, but it shouldn't be the part of our deliberations. Um, ask after we ask any questions, get any information we need, we turn it back to the respondent for a three minute rebuttal followed by the complainant for three minutes. Um, at that point, it comes back to the task force to uh, for us to deliberate and formulate a motion. We have public comment and then we vote. So it's it's on the bottom of the agenda if, if uh, you wanna follow along. Um, and what we typically do as well is we, these go to a committee first and we have the committee chairperson typically give us a summary so that we know where you know we're starting and what to look for um, and this looks like it went to the complaint committee, so I will turn it over to the chair of that committee, Member Schmidt. Yeah, this this one's uh, pretty basic, and we made a recommendation uh, of no violations. It's it, it, the 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 gist of the complaint was one. It seems like uh, 
the petitioner is contesting whether he, he, he whether the respondent is allowing him to mediate a matter we didn't see how that is something that we have any way to be involved in uh, the second matter is technically the petitioner is claiming that the there should have been information redacted that wasn't that documents that the petitioner obtained there was some remaining ability to identify the petitioner um, that also is not something that I think could be constitute any kind of violation of sunshine I, I don't recall if there's any sort of delay issue here I don't think there was and so uh, that's the basis for we we didn't think that We'd want to find a violation on this one. Uh, it seemed like the the job that the treasurer and tax collector did here, and I have to say that I've seen them do a good job in other places, uh, was exactly what you would want. Members, other members of the committee, anything you'd like to add? Um, this is Member Stein. I would just add that on the timeline that there was a. Um, request made, um, I think it was made as an IDR, and there was a response within one day um, that this material was going to take a little longer to put together. I think ultimately there were about um, uh, 86 records provided, and they were provided within nine days of the original request. Um, so I just wanted to throw that timeline in there. Thank you, Member Stein. Member Wolf, did you have anything as the other committee member to add? I, I have nothing to add. Thank you. Great. Okay, so I think we're ready to get started with the uh, presentations. So Cheryl, if you can let Mr. Bazanski know when he may begin. Uh, how much time? Five. Five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. Mr. Bazanski, you ready to begin? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead, sir. Sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Stillian. And uh, before I begin, I would like to point out that uh, today's agenda does not clearly specify whether we are discussing a violation of public request 221100 or public request 222361. And on August 18, 2023, Ms. Ledger requested that I provide an improved chart for 211100. I promptly I promptly provided one which as far as I can see is not included in today's agenda package related to complaint 22054. In any case, I'm prepared to discuss the violation of public request 221100, and I would like to mention two things. First, I'm not sure whether Mr. Terrell of Treasury and Tax is aware of this complaint, but this marks my ninth complaint in the last four years concerning the tax and treasury team, largely for the same reason. Some of the excuses I have heard for delayed public records include not having adequate software for privacy reduction, insufficient personnel to handle requests, excessive requests from the petitioners, requests containing extensive information that takes longer to process, and requests um, for information already public, publicly available. Additionally, due to COVID emergency and the mayor proclamation, there is uh, the respondent claimed that they have unlimited time to respond to requests. 
The most common excuse was citing pending litigation, which resulted in significant delays due to attorney-client privilege. Out of the eight complaints I brought to the Sunshine Task Force, violations were found in three of them. Regarding complaint 22054, I submitted public request 221100 on April 7, 2022, and it was not closed until June 16, 2022, which is 71 days. To put that into context, the, the local sunshine ordinance says the response time to the, for public request is 10 days, and California Government Code 6253 sets it to 24 days. As you can see, there is a substantial delay in delivery of this public request. And secondly, and second, I'm well aware that the Sunshine Tax Force ordinance does not have any executive power. Nevertheless, I will continue to raise those complaints because there is a significant advertising suggesting that the local ordinances are superior to the state law. Perhaps there are, but so far I have not witnessed anything better, especially concerning the timing of releasing public records. Thanks so much. That's all. Okay, thank you, Mr. Brzezinski. And do we have any parts to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the complainant? I'm assuming there's no hands on that. If so, interrupt me, but... Um, if not, let's go ahead and move to five minutes for the respondent. Um, I think we have what uh, Mr. Terrell available. Um, so Cheryl, please let Mr. Terrell know when he may begin. Uh, Mr. Terrell, Mr. Terrell, are you ready to begin? Yes, I am. Go ahead, sir. Uh, good evening, honorable task force members. Uh, initially, I would like to state that both the request number that uh, Mr. Bajanski uh, identified here. And the complaint at issue are both incorrect. So uh, complaint number 22054 is written in regard to next request number 222361, not 221100, as uh, the petitioner has stated. Um, so the complaint there was filed on May 10th, uh, 2022. Correction, that was the date that our office received the complaint. We responded on May 12th, 2022, and that complaint and the response focused uh, almost entirely on the issue of whether or not his email was properly redacted from the materials. Uh, and that uh, hearing was on May 17th. I have the minutes here stating um, that uh, there was jurisdiction, but recommendation for no violation for privacy. Um, the issue of timeliness with regard to next request 221100 was never raised in this complaint. Um, however, it was subsequently raised after the May 17th hearing by the task force in an affirmation letter. Um, so it's, it's very difficult for the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector to properly respond to these complaints from petitioner when the complaints are uh, compiled into a single complaint number, when multiple requests are compiled into the same complaint number, and a request for a response to a complaint is, um, is requested by the task force after the response has already been provided and the uh, jurisdiction uh, has already been found by the task force. Uh, I would also like to identify an issue that came up today wherein uh, Mr. Bajanski wrote to the task force stating that there was 35 pages of material requested uh, by Ms. Legere that was not provided to us and furthermore that communication was never sent to us. Uh, it does look like Mr. Bajanski sent that material to the task force but again it was not provided to us and it is very difficult to attempt to respond um, to the 
multiple complaints that petitioner continues to file against our office um, when we don't have the materials, when there are ex parte communications between the task force and the petitioner. Um, and it's simply simply not uh, reasonable that we should be asked to, to respond to uh, arguments that we are not even privy to based on materials that were never provided to us. Um, nonetheless, uh, with regard to the issue on the table, which is complaint number 22054, uh, the issue was fully briefed in the response to the complaint. Um, there were issues uh, surrounding the uh, redaction tool used in next request, which did not fully redact the email addresses uh, for petitioner. Um, and petitioner in the meeting uh, stated that he waived his right to privacy um, and did not care whether or not we uh, provided his email address to him redacted or unredacted. I should also point out, of course, that these requests are public and that uh, there is quite a strong argument that petitioner has waived his right to privacy by submitting multiple Public Record Act requests that identify his email address and make it available to all members of the public. Uh, Mr. Terrell, were you complete because you went silent? Yes, yes, I'm complete. There is nothing. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure we didn't cut you off or you didn't get muted or something. Okay, sure. Uh, thank you. And are there any other parties provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? Okay, I'm assuming there's none. Victor, jump in if there were. So, okay, so we're going to move this to the task force for questions. And, and briefly, uh, Mr. Terrell, what was your um, position with the Treasury and Tax Collector's Office? I'm the assistant tax collector attorney. Assistant tax collector attorney. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, members, questions on this file? And just uh, a note, Member Wolf, again, I, I can't see it, uh, the, the screen. So if you have a question, please just, you know, jump in as you've been doing. No problem. Thank you. Um, not a question, but I'll, I'll, I'll just note um, for the record, um, Mr. Terrell, I, I know there was an email that um, Mr. Bozanski, uh referenced regarding things that he felt were missing or reasons why this should be continued. Um, that's not part of this file. We, don't, we have a, a deadline um, of the five business, uh, well, in this case, it was August 16th. Um, so any, any communications he has is not in the file, but that's not anything that we're, we're discussing. So, um, we're just, we are focusing on purely what's in the packet so that all parties can see it. Members of the public can see it. The task force can see it. Um, and both, both sides can see it. So those, those emails are not part of our discussion right now. I have a question. Yeah. Member Wolf. Uh, yeah. For Mr. Pachansky, um, I recall you mentioning and as reflected in the minutes of the complaint committee um, that there was a legal dispute. Um, what venue was or is this legal dispute proceeding? At the moment, you mean? Well, at the time. Oh, at the time, uh, Superior Court. Well, Superior Court. Yeah, at, the, at the time, Superior Court. At the moment, uh, Appeal Court. Okay, and so at the time that you were in court, could you not request discovery of those documents at that time? You mean inside the case that was already open or yeah. as part of another case? 
or whatever cases pertaining to the information that you're, you know, that's part of this request? Well, I usually think that uh, Sunshine uh, task ordinance and the local ordinance should be better than the court system itself. So that was the reason I uh, choose the, the um, local to use the local ordinance as a better venue. And um, and uh, yeah, and that's pretty much why I choose it. Well, I, I, but uh, it turns out to be slower than maybe if I have chosen to use the court system. I don't know. I mean, maybe I should have done both. I don't. I, I, I appreciate I appreciate that, but generally mm -hmm. you find that the court has a lot more power, and that the uh, court orders, um, you know, are enforceable, uh, while our determinations are not necessarily enforceable, and yeah. um, you'll probably get quicker response in that in that way. Yeah. So I just wanted to to mention that. Um, yeah. Is it, it is a little unusual that we would, you know, I guess if had I known that at the time, I probably would have said, stick with stick with your court and and if things don't work out there, then come back to us. But um, it's a, it, usually we would defer to court. We would not um, move forward. So it just future information. Okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Did you have any uh, further questions, Member Wolf? No, that's it. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Um, this is Member Pilpel. I'm sorry that I'm relatively new to this particular uh, party. Um, I, I guess I have questions for both the complainant and, and the respondent, and I'll try to keep it brief. So, to the complainant, Mr. Uh, is it pronounced Bajansky? Right, Bajansky. Great. Um, so, in reading the material, I'm a bit confused if your primary concern is, in this case, is timeliness or redaction, or is it both? Well, I think it's timeliness, but there are two cases in the same complaint. So, it look, looks like the respondent have chosen to uh, work or reply the um, redaction, but then I think we already discussed reduction a few months ago, and it was like a software glitch that they have in the system. That was the reduction issue. Uh, here, I'm bringing more the timeliness of the uh, complaint. So, for purpose of tonight, you're not particularly uh, concerned with redaction, but you are concerned with timeliness. Is that right. what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. That's right. Great. Thank you. So, to the uh, respondent, and I'm sorry, I didn't get your first name. Is it Mr. Turrell? Yes, it's Christopher Terrell. Christopher, okay. All right. Um, greetings. So, if we're putting the redaction issue aside as to timeliness, I did see in the response from your office, which I guess has been kicking around for over a year now, the May 12th uh, letter that starts on page 175 of the packet, um, that the complainant has submitted a number of PRA requests and that uh, you claim that your office has worked or your colleague uh, claims that your office has worked diligently to respond. Can you uh, help me understand a little bit how the number and perhaps complexity of requests may have um, affected timeliness of response? Because I think that's that's in part what it may turn on for me. 
Sure, and we are speaking specifically with regard to request number 222361, not request number 221100 as Whichever stated. One. That's fine, okay. whichever one. Right, so with regard to uh, next request number 222361, which was the original uh, uh, request behind complaint number 22054, the uh, complainant sub, uh, petitioner submitted the request on April 20th, 2022. Uh, later that same day, my office um, sent the request to the IT section to pull responsive records and approximately 630 potentially responsive documents were produced. The following day, we responded to petitioner uh, advising him that the request would not be able to be handled as an IDR due in large part to the number uh, and complexity of the records that needed to be reviewed, many of which as uh, petitioner already identified contained um, attorney client privilege materials. Uh, our, my office um, worked diligently to review and produce the materials and uh, within, I believe it was uh, seven days, we had produced uh, the entirety of the responsive records that were not privileged, which I believe totaled 86 records, uh, along with a redaction log identifying the reasons for uh, any withholding or redaction of records. Okay, thank you. So I think that is a, a quick distillation of the seven page letter dated May 12th, yes? Okay. Yes, so, that's correct. So to Mr. Bajansky, that's their position. Um, what's the expression? What say you? I'm sorry. So um, I'm looking yeah. Bill Pell, do you have a specific question? Yeah. So I don't want to reopen. I, I, I'm sorry. So how? So to the extent that they believe that they have complied, can you again distill why you think they have not timely complied? Well, as I said, and I will repeat again, I'm talking about complaint 221100, which was open on April 7th, and it was closed on June 16, 2022, which is 71 days. I'm not sure which complaint are we discussing at this point, because there are too many complaints that we brought up. Um, okay. so, um, I, don't, I hear you, I but, I, but I, think, I think I understood both from your complainant information and from the information from the respondent that this particular complaint actually relates to request 222361 not the other one and the 2361 well, is the subject of this complaint 61 but i'm prepared for 221100 so we are obviously not on the same page so i mean if you i don't know how we can continue at this point all right well on the 2361 are you satisfied that you've received the records and that they were uh, timely produced I'm not prepared to discuss it, but probably, okay. uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm prepared to put for 21100. That was the one that pretty much I got a request for and I submitted all the information. That's pretty much it. Okay, but I, all right, then I'm, I'm sorry, just to Mr. Bajansky on page 129 of the packet, dated May 3rd, 2022. Good morning, Cheryl. I'm attaching additional information as per yeah. my public request. 22-2361, and then on page 138, again to, to Cheryl, the next day, May 4th, please see the attached the screenshot of the complaint I submitted yesterday, and that's when you refer to 22-2100, but it seems to me like the basic underlying complaint here was related to 2361. Well, we are talking about, like, I don't know how many, is that from last year, or is it this year? Uh, 
you submitted the complaint in May of 2022. Am I? Okay, so I'm talking about this year, like the last communication. I'm not. I don't remember really what I submitted like a year ago, but um, about uh, six days ago, I was asked to submit uh, a chart for 22,100, and that's what I did. Now, uh, I don't know what was in the package. I saw the package today. It looks like mixed information from this year, last year. So I'm not quite sure how to respond to, it, to everything inside that package. As okay. I said, it was better to postpone it maybe, but we already discussed it. So, I mean, I don't know at this point how to proceed. I'm good. Thank you. Very okay. Much. Um, uh, just a note, Mr. Brzezinski, if you're going to send communications to our our clerk and you're going to make new subject lines for them you need to reference the file number that you want them attached to particularly if you have multiple files open at the same time it's very difficult for our clerk to know if you don't notate which file the the material you're sending pertains to um, and i mean the file number our file number not not the Next, Next request, one that, that we don't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Cheryl, every time you submit a complaint, Cheryl assigns a, a unique file number to it um, that's used purely by the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force to track communications and documents that you submit and the respondent submits. When you make new subject lines, like I'm seeing on page um, 129, um, which is PDF page 7, and you made the subject line, Treasurer, Tax Collector, Violations of Government Code 6254, in section 6254, um, this is the one that member Pilpa was referencing, and then you say, I'm attached to additional information, blah, 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 and you say, as per my public records request, 22-2361. Nowhere in this entire email does it reference which SOTF file number this is supposed to be attached to. So um, our clerk does the best she can, uh, but there are, if you, if you were here uh, just 10, 20 minutes ago, you saw that we have over 100 files, and we need a way to track which file gets which communications. So that may be why you're seeing certain um, things in this file that don't appear that that's where you meant them. But again, I would urge you to please use our reference number when you are submitting documentation. Yeah, that would be great. I, will, um, I usually put it in the body. Maybe sometimes I skip it, but for the future, I will make sure that it's in yeah. the subject line. So it's yeah, I don't, I don't see it in the subject or the body here. So mm -hmm. that's why I think that email okay. made it in here, which is why yeah, it's confusing some mm -hmm. folks. Okay. Any other questions or should we move to rebuttals? Okay. I think we're ready for rebuttals. So we're going to start with Mr. Terrell, who have uh, three minutes. Uh, then we'll move to Mr. Brzezanski, and then we will deliberate and hopefully find a resolution to this. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, please let Mr. Terrell know, it, know when he may begin. Mr. Terrell, are you ready to begin speaking? Uh, yes, and initially I'd just like to clarify whether I'm rebutting the argument made by petitioner with regard to uh, complaint number uh, 22054 and next request number 222361 or 2221100 as uh, petitioner has stated multiple times. Um, the I mean, the file number we have, Mr. Terrell, is for our internal file number is 22054. Okay. Um, with so that's our SOTF number. Uh, like I said, there seems to be a variety of documents over the course of several days, weeks, or months that Mr. Zansky has sent, and I'm not sure which is which, but that is our file number. Um, okay. So I know we've sent you communications when that was first filed, and so that would be the one we would be asking you to speak on. 
Okay, so as I stated previously, we believe that this complaint focuses entirely on the redaction of his personal email address, and I believe I've adequately responded to that point. However, because the issue of timeliness was also raised, I will address here that we also responded to this complaint in a timely fashion. As I stated previously, there were 630 potentially responsive documents. They were reviewed, uh, redacted, and 86 responsive records were released to the requester uh, within nine days of his request. So the, the response to the request was both timely uh, and complete. Okay, thank you, Mr. Trell. And then uh, let's go ahead and give Mr. Zansky three minutes for his rebuttal. You ready, Mr. Yes, Zansky? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead, sir. Okay, so um, again, as I said multiple times, I'm more prepared to talk about the 21-22-1100, which um, concerns the timeliness of the um, response. Um, I'm not sure what Mr. Tyrell is referring to complete, but uh, and for nine days, the only thing I see is 71 days was actually a request completed in, which is well over all limits that I know. That were set both from uh, Sunshine Ordinance and from California Government Code. And that's pretty much it. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Pazanski. All right, members, it's uh, time for us to deliberate, uh, formulate a motion and get this resolved. I'll make a motion to uh, dismiss the matter, uh, finding of no violations. Okay, so moved by Member Schmidt to uh, find no violation. Um, Mr. Chair, I, I have uh, some comments to make. Okay, we do have an active motion on the floor. Um, I'm happy to get your comments, but I just wanted to, if, if, if we have a second, we have a second, then we can get to comments. Member um, Stein, I'll second it. Okay, so seconded by Member Stein. Okay, so go ahead. We have a motion to find a violation. Moved by Member Schmidt, seconded by Member Stein. Member Wolf, go ahead and make your comments. Yeah, it, it's not pertaining to the motion, though. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's fine. Go ahead anyway. Um, so I just wanted to note that. Um, and that, you know, the concept of ex parte communications, I don't feel that was violated at all uh, with regards to the submission of documents, which is more of a purely an administrative uh, process when the task force administrator in our office have received and recorded any documents from either party, then they'll be disclosed to the parties in the, in the task force. So I, I just found that the petition that the uh, respondents uh, note of ex parte communication to me is it's, it's a little incorrect in the way our the way we process our, our uh, documentation. It's not up to the other party to have to include the other party uh, when we're just talking about when to cross, you know, submit, uh, you know, paperwork or not, which is uh, seemed to be the situation in this. Uh, uh, in this case, thank you. Thank you, member. Wolf. appreciate that. Members, any other comments on this one? Not seeing any hands. Let's go ahead and open this up to public comment. Yes, if there's anybody who would like to make public comment at this time, uh, you can use, uh, please raise your hand at this point in time to indicate you would like to make public comment. Okay, I'm not seeing any indications for public comment at this time. 
Okay, thank you. And seeing no one in the room, I will go ahead and close public comment. And I think we are ready for a vote, not seeing any other hands. So Cheryl, when you're ready. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill. Absent. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Vice Chair Wong, absent. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Eight in favor. Okay, eight in favor, two absent. Uh, that was uh, approved to find no violation. Uh, thank you to uh, both parties for joining us. Uh, we appreciate that. Thank you, task force members. Okay, um, I know it's hot in this room. I don't see anyone here. We, we're finished with the complaints. Let's go ahead and take a five minute break. People need to get some, something to drink or whatever. You, you want to do a little? Okay. No, we'll get to it. Okay, so we're gonna take a five ish minute recess. So are we? Do we turn these off? Yeah, we should have Cheryl if you turn them off.
Sullivan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> test, test. Okay, so we are back at 746. And Cheryl, can you just call the roll just to verify that everyone is, is here? Or just, I mean, I, I can say that all of the people in person are here who are here. If you could just double verify that our remote member Wolf is present. Yeah. Do you want me to call? Oh, you don't have to call. Just, I see I, him. Oh, we can see him. <laughs> yeah, you can see him. Okay, great. I, I can't see so. All right, so we're all here. You can say let the record show that everyone has returned. Um, all eight of us. All right, so go ahead and call the next item. Oh, Bruce is back. Okay, item number eleven: closing pending complaint files. Hearing to consider closing the following complaint files and dismissing them without prejudice due to unresponsiveness and inactivity pursuant to task force complaint procedure C9. Okay, and did you, did, folks, do you want uh, Cheryl to read each file number or each one? Are we good? Yeah, I can do that. Number two. Why don't we just read the file numbers? You don't have to read each of the whole, yeah. whole name. Yeah, file numbers 19098. 2005 2005-3, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4, 2005-4
um, individuals, departments, and agencies regarding the Sunshine Ordinance. We were notified by this person that they were quote unquote retiring from this activity. Was it back in February or at some point many, many months? It was. It was in January. Um, it was a little ambiguous at the time because he said that he would still be interested in some of his remaining Got files, it. which we then subsequently tried to schedule. And as members, I noticed he was no Got it. So, so then we were like, hey, Right. We want to schedule these with, with the thing and then no, no right. But just for context, that's why this all happened. It's just we didn't um, and not to confuse these anonymous filings with other anonymous filings. So mm -hmm. um, that's it. And I'll also note for the record that I believe Cheryl only included anything that he sent from his. Certain email address, the from, records request yeah. to the proton one. I believe at certain points in time and it's anonymous, so I'm not sure. May have used a variety of different mechanisms to file complaints. I think there was a muckrock mm -hmm. email. I believe there were a couple other ones that he may have used over time. Obviously, we don't know if those are associated. So, unfortunately, we may end up if there he is associated with other files we couldn't identify it as being him. May end up as a no show on future agendas. We did our best. Um, so, apologies in advance if that occurs. But this, these will be identified for him. So, this is Member Stein. I'd love to make a motion to close these files um, without prejudice. Okay. I'll second. Moved by Member Stein, seconded by Member LaHood. Um, I have a comment. Uh, Member Wolf and then Member Pilpa. Go ahead, Member yeah, Wolf. I, I just want to go on the record to exactly echo what Member LaHood had said. Um, I really found that this person had a very exquisite understanding and provided interesting, um, sometimes conjecture. Sometimes argument, sometimes facts, but it really was an engaging experience despite the largesse and the amount of, of work that we had to, to go through. I just found it uh, the level of challenge, um, you know, brought all parties, the whole process um, uh, to a certain level, and I appreciated that. Amen. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Member Wolf. Thank you, uh, Member Schmidt, uh, Member Pilpel. Um, thank you. I have a, a couple of quick thoughts and I think I'm uh, with uh, the group on this on some of the case titles. Some of the captions seem to me uh, a little odd. Some just name names and some are misspelled and whatever. I will waive all of that. I think I, I, I get the general idea. I appreciate the uh, background. If I would just ask if there is something like this that comes again, that's sort of a, a mass closure, if you will. Um, an email from Cheryl to the complainant essentially saying, this is your last chance. We're scheduling this for the task force. The task force is considering closing, da, da, da. Just having that sent and having that in the file would help me. I didn't sort of find that here. I found a bunch of other kind of bits and pieces. And having that excerpt from the complaint procedures that Chair Yankee read, having that one piece in the packet would give me, I, I heard it and I'm good with that, but would have helped me get there faster to just say, okay, that's the procedure. They've been notified. Here's the history. Good to go. That's all. But I, I have no objection to taking this action at this time, particularly since it's without prejudice, if the guy comes back and wants to litigate the things in the future for presuming that's not to be the case. I'm with it. Thank you. Thank you, Member Popo. Anyone else? Okay, let's go ahead and open it up to public comment then. 
Yes, if you'd like to make public comment on this item, you can raise your hand at this time by pressing star three. Or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I see no indications for public comment at this time. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment and Cheryl, when you're ready, we can take a vote on this. Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill, uh, absent. Member Wolf? Aye. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Pilpel? Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Vice Chair Wong, absent. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three, four, five. In favor. Okay. Thank you, Cheryl. Let's go ahead. And so just to let everyone know, I have a series of hearings. These are not complaint files. Um, if at any, I put a bunch on here. These are ones that people have sent me over the years or over the months, at least asking me to put on. And we've had such hefty uh, agendas with complaints that I figured now would be a good time to do these, particularly with our new Members, if at any point, though, we feel like we want to end the meeting and continue these to another time, certainly open to that. Just didn't want, you know, us to lose the opportunity if we had it. So people are thinking it's getting late and want to say we've had enough. That's fine. No one's, you know, these aren't complaint files, so we don't know what to so much. It's not late. No, no, no I mean right now. <laughs> not right now. But, I mean, as we get through, I just wanted to throw that out there now. Yeah. I'm not saying do it now. <laughs> so are we on item number 12? Uh, so, yes. Yep. So let's go ahead and start uh the hearings here with item number 12. Item number 12, hearing Sunshine Ordinance Amendment. Consider sending a communication and or proposing an amendment to the Sunshine Ordinance regarding electronic communications by city officials and requiring the use of official city email, city email addresses. Sorry. Oh, on May 3rd, 2023, as part of the hearing for file number 21165, the full task force moved that the task force agenda is for the June 2023 task force meeting an item to discuss and take possible action on recommendations for an amendment to the ordinance as we are empowered to do in 6730C as in CAT regarding electronic communications by city officials. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force discussed this item at its regular meeting on June 7, 2023. No action was taken, but Chair Yankee stated that he would place this item on a future agenda. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. So, this is something that we discussed several times already, last being on June 7th. Um, we didn't take any action there, but kind of came to the collective thought that we should maybe revisit this on a future date. So, here we are. Um, I believe at the time where we left off is that um, Member Hill had drafted a letter that we could consider sending out as a communication regarding trying to advocate for. Um, Email addresses to be created. Um, we also had discussions over do we want to ask the board to the board of supervisors to either amend the sunshine ordinance itself or some other part of the um, admin code to create some type of requirement that city officials be provided and use city email addresses during the course of official business. 
Um, so that's where we're at. Uh, Member Hill couldn't be here tonight, but he did provide me with a copy of the letter, I believe. Uh, we had suggested some edits to it. My understanding is that those edits are incorporated in this most recent draft. So that's what the attachment is. Um, I know Member Pilpel at the time was a public commenter and had some thoughts about proposed language. So that's kind of where we're at, and I'll let turn it over to the group. I have some questions. Uh, go ahead, Member Wolf. So a uh, couple of things. One is is I, I really appreciated um, the detail and the uh, context of this letter. Um, I think the area in kind of describing the the landmark case needs a little cleaning up. Uh, it was. Yeah, it, it correctly. It's it's the city of San Jose's in plural, uh, J O S E S. No, unfortunately, the court doesn't didn't put an apostrophe in there, but that's the way the court records um, uh, have it written. And it was against uh, and the superior against the superior court. Ted Smith. Reason why it's written that way is because it was a written mandamus, and so I think that that's an important factor. Um, because it was, uh, uh, Mr. Smith was asking for the city of San Jose et al to make a correction. So that, that was kind of the, the function of the, of the lawsuit. I, I think that's important because in, in, in a lot of ways, that's what we try to, to get folks to do is to correct when they are not in noncompliance is to make a correction. So I think that's worth uh, mentioning because a lot of city governments are kind of afraid of written mandamus because uh, they don't want to be told by a court, you know, that they need to follow their own law. It's a little embarrassing. So I think that that that's my first point on that. It, that I don't know. Maybe there needs to be a, it could be mentioned in there or cleaned up in a little way, but uh, it's some interesting back and forth of how. You know, this came to be, and then it was appealed, and then it was overturned, and uh, that might be of some interest in here. Second point is um, I think that boards and commissions, that that description needs to be expanded to what how the charter describes it in section 4.101 being, uh, quote, a point, uh, and I, I kind of edited it a little bit to here, uh, a point of boards, commissions, or any deliberative or advisory body of any kind established by the charter uh, or legislative act of the United States of America, the state of California, or the board of supervisors, or by ordinance, or by the voters. I, because as we know, the Sunshine Ordinance had been I guess amended for all intents and purposes uh, by the voters, and um, if we just leave it kind of open in that in that way, then the this task force might be excluded from that. So I'm just trying to throw the kitchen sink in there. Uh, the third thing is is that the email system needs to be centralized by the Department of Technology or some other representative. Uh, unbiased uh, department. Um, right now, the city IT system is so decentralized, and I wish Member Hill was here because he could um, 
um, he could uh, 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 testify to that also. Um, and then, um, and then that way, you know, there at least is uh, it's some monitoring for from a, a single body. The last thing is his backups, uh, which must be uh, included here. Um, there, we've had lots of cases with regards to this issue. Uh, we have a land one of our own landmark complaints uh, with um, got his name. Um, he, it was against the uh, Rec and Park Department where there was um, a request uh, for some records, uh, which were emails. Uh, they, the Rec and Park Department said they didn't have the emails. Uh, we had um, made a request to the Department of Technology to uh, recover backups of those emails, which they did, and those emails were found, and uh, there was corroboration between um, but the petitioner and the response uh, petitioner uh, had from a different, actually a different party, uh, which made uh, that petitioner's case. So I would say that uh, backups be managed by the Department of Technology for all city and county of San Francisco branches, departments, agencies, and other bodies uh, that are managing uh, email accounts and systems internally. Period. I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, no, uh, Member Popel. Um, so, a number of thoughts here. Um, I would suggest that we've got um, perhaps four different choices here. One is to send some version of this letter to city agencies, boards, commissions, departments, department heads, commission secretaries, some group of those actors. Two is to send a communication to the Board of Supervisors proposing an amendment to the ordinance or to some other code section accomplishing the thing. Three is to do something different and four is to do nothing. I think that kind of captures it. Um, I am inclined, uh, at, at this point, I'm inclined to do none of those tonight because I'm not crazy about the, the way this is currently reads. I'm happy to kick this for two weeks. Um, to the next meeting and to do some work on this. Um, I am interested in the discussion of a communication to city actors as opposed to the board or doing both and in the communication to the city folks referencing the communication to the board. And I'm also thinking of DCA Collins of actually drafting legislation and I had done some work on that. I did not bring that with me tonight. Um, I actually think this is the, the, slow down requiring city agencies to issue a city email account to members of to members of decision making bodies, boards and commissions and ordinance bodies, I believe could be accomplished by ordinance of the board. It's relatively straightforward. It's three or four sentences. I would not put it in the sunshine ordinance. I would put it somewhere else um, in chapter seven or eight on records. Because in any event, I think that could be drafted. It's been a long time in my experience since the city attorney has actually drafted legislation for this body that we can forward to the board and ask to be introduced. It's happened. It just hasn't happened in a long time. You know, Ernie Laurenti was probably the last person. Never mind. Anyway, 
Um, and I think we could reference that in the communications to others. This, the way the, the letter currently reads to me is it's somewhere between advice as to how to comply, which we're empowered to do under 67.30, I think, see, um, and an advocacy piece, like you really should do this, but it, it's sort, it's not, I understand the intent, it's just not quite doing it for me. And I'm not sure how persuasive it's going to be and how much it's just going to get canned upon receipt. So that's why I'm thinking about how to like frame this thing as opposed to doing it, which I hope we're all with doing. It's just a question of how to make it happen. That's that's my current thinking, but I'm open to the views of others. Uh, thank you, Mayor Popel. Member LaHood. Um, yeah, so uh... You said some things I was thinking, but let me start from the beginning. Um, I thought member Wolf's comments were were great. I think this is a, an awesome start. I think uh, member Wolf has a lot of both uh, understanding of um, how the various piece, pieces work, historical knowledge. I think having his input on this would be very helpful. I was going to volunteer member Schmidt, but maybe <laughs> um, we can get the help we need from, uh, from our uh, team of uh, deputy city attorneys on this. I was also thinking, I don't think we should propose this as an amendment to the Sunshine Ordinance because we have many, many things we need to amend in the Sunshine or that we would like to suggest amending in the Sunshine Ordinance. And I don't think this needs to be part of that. I think this could be done simply, elegantly as a separate piece of legislation, which when we go to recommend the other amendments, we could say, and to incorporate, to mention the language for this other legislation in the Sunshine Ordinance, which I think will be much easier than trying to do all of the other things we need to do separately. I think there's going to be a lot of support for this. Um, and I love the idea of the task force being involved in proposing specific legislation that is discrete and separate from the Sunshine Ordinance. It's been a long time. Thank you, Member Hood. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I totally agree with you. I think this is best done as a standalone piece. I think mm -hmm. it's that. I think it's that important, and I think it has that much potential support. And I would hate to see it get lost in pages of other amendments that are all over the place, right? I think this, you know, in large part speaks for itself. Nearly everyone I've kind of told the story to just anecdotally, they're like, well, seriously, they don't have your own email addresses and they're shocked to hear that this is just a common practice here, right? So um, totally supportive of all that. And I think you're absolutely right. Let's, I think we're all kind of on the same page, just how do we best get there and get the most attention that we can to this issue so it doesn't just get filed away somewhere. Remember Stein? Uh, yeah. Uh I agree. I think that's all good. I still like the idea of a letter to start because we're, it's like a notice that we see this as an issue and we want to advise that this should happen. That doesn't preclude us from doing other kinds of things. Um, I think since the, obviously there's substantive things that people still want to add, like we should probably punt this a little bit after those um, things are added to this. I'll just say um, my comments are really tiny because overall I, I really thought everything that was in here was was good. I thought the letter was a little bit circuitous. Like it doesn't kind of get to the point right away about what's the problem, what's the solution, what's the rationale. And I think actually even the whole way the case is discussed, I think it's probably a little too much information. I think we just need to know the upshot of what this case had to say. And I would love to see this done in like a one page letter um, so that it really, and, and have the force of what we're trying to say really be there up front. Um, so that that can't be missed and then kind of chunk out the details of it as we go through. And then just a tiny, tiny comment. Um, 
I think the letter should be written as if it's coming from the task force as a whole. Right now, it seems like a separate letter that all of us will separately sign and send off. And I would just do it with one voice. Yeah. Thank you, Member Stein. Member Schmidt. Yeah, I'll go. My turn. Okay. Um, thank you, Member LaHood, for your gracious nomination. Um, <laughs> I have a few comments. One is that I, I think a lot of this proposed letter has some great substance to it. I think there's some question as to what the vehicle should look like here. And I, I think the members have, have made similar comments. You know, who, who sends it, who to. I, I know that I, I thought that originally the item on the agenda was to talk about asking the board to make an amendment. So we're kind of talking about different vehicles. Are we talking about um, asking either that there be, you know, a, 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 an amendment to the Sunshine Ordinance? And I, I do agree with Member Pilpel that a lot of this doesn't have to be a sunshine ordinance amendment. And in fact, that would make it a lot simpler. Uh, then the, the letter itself seems to talk about amending, but it also talks about um, actually individual departments or, or I guess boards and commissions going ahead and changing their processes, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a little bit confusing that way. Um, I do think that the idea of eventually an ordinance is probably the best goal here uh, because it would be citywide. I think that the, the scope should be much broader than than what's set forth here in in two different ways one is this talks about boards and commissions and i'm wondering why we would limit it to boards and commissions uh that would be a fraction of everything that's going on across the city now maybe that means that it would be politically easier to just get this small fraction of what's going on. But every, as far as I know, every employee in the city is subject to um, the possible scope and the actual scope of the city of San Jose case. And so we might be able to actually uh, do something involving all employees. That's my first scope concern. My second scope concern is that we're focusing on emails here and to me, not knowing what these things are necessarily, having very little experience with them, but I believe that the, the vast amount of what we're actually want, interested in is in social media, in various platforms that people use, and I think there'd have to be a, a much clearer specification uh, as to seeking 
all communications that take place in any type of platform like that. So those are the observations I think I have at this time. I think that we should figure out ways to push forward on this. Um, I myself have one piece of what I think could be helpful, which is I have some language that I think is would be useful for the city taking the San Jose case and implementing it citywide. But other aspects of what we could do, we could write letters, we could propose uh, legislation, we could write either letters to the board or letters to, you know, all across the city telling people what their obligations are. I don't know, but we should consider all different vehicles for communicating this very important message. Thank you, Member Schmidt. Member LaHood, then Member Pratt. So, um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that paid city employees all have government-issued emails. Is that correct? Generally. Generally. Okay. I think the reason we were focused on boards, commissions, task force, and is because we don't have city-issued emails, and we know that there are many. We have many counterparts who also don't have city-issued emails, and that there have been issues with, in fact, what was it? The redistricting task force. The redistricting task force. They finished their work, and then people, members of the public, were requesting records, and it was very difficult to get them because the the um, that task force had they had finished their work, and some of the people were not receiving emails of, uh, uh, requesting, and there were just a lot of complications where if the city ran the email accounts, even after people left, those email accounts could be searched, you know, for public records request purposes. Um, I like what you're thinking about in terms of other modes of communication. I believe the Sunshine Ordinance already, I mean, it does cover that. I think we're solving one problem within a suite of issues, and this is the easy one to solve. I mean, you're right. There are probably forms. I mean, how much, when, how long have we had Slack? I mean, there are modes of communication, communicating by messaging that um, have only existed for the past couple of years, and we're not going to predict the ones that are have not even been thought of yet. So um, I like your thinking, but I think we can do something specific, relevant right now, focusing on the emails. Member Popel, and then Member Tritt. Um, I think the short answer for all of us is yes. Um, I, it seems to me like email is a form of communication which is now generally being used by many people, not everyone. Um, I don't know enough about the various aspects of social media and uh, I know enough about texting, but I don't know enough about DMing and I and this thing and that thing. And, Whatever the kids these days, um, but the advantage to an ordinance is then you change the code and if circumstances change in 5 or 10 years, you go back and you change the code again because technology is advanced. We've abandoned email. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm sure we've got a fax machine phone number, but there are very few people these days that are using fax machines. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It's just okay. So. To get out of this, as you know, they, they say, I would be willing to volunteer to work with DCA Collins or whoever else on the team um, to propose draft language. I have it at home. I think I read it into the record of one of our meetings a while back. It's pretty straightforward. 
I would encourage the, the city attorney's office to consult with the government team, uh, Zarefsky, Manu, whoever, whatever, um, and come up with something. If you can approve it as to form and bring it to us, we can discuss it if there are things that we don't like or want to futz with. Um, so I'm happy to take on that uh, particular piece. I would be willing, but I am not wanting to take on the piece about the letter if someone else wants to uh, do another draft of, of the letter and reference um, that we're proposing legislation. But for, and, and part of the problem is, as we well know, the city is consistently inconsistent about any number of things. So some city agencies issue email addresses because they have the resources, because that's their practice and protocol, and they just do that. And others say, no, we don't, you're on your own. And it, in some cases, those are decision-making bodies. In other cases, they're advisory bodies. It's all over the place. And I think what we're trying to achieve here is some more consistency, at least, at least as to decision-making bodies, where the records of communications related to city business is incredibly important as to as compared to some advisory body that's of short duration uh, whose recommendations go through three more levels before they get anywhere, if they get anywhere. So I, I think, again, what I'm saying is yes. And so I, I'm happy to volunteer on that piece and perhaps we can do something else on that. And uh, at the end of this, continue this to the next meeting for an update on, on where we're at and hopefully bring both pieces together. Mr. Chair. Uh, hang on. I have Member Schmidt first, and I'll get to you, Member Wolf. Member Schmidt. I, I, I don't have anything at this time. Okay. Go ahead, Member Wolf. Yeah, so a couple things. Um, you know, I, I agree with the concept of, an, of making an amendment uh, to something or um, uh, creating a new ordinance or what have you. And here's the reason why. Um, law has power. Whether it's in, comes in the form of an ordinance or a ballot initiative or what have you, that is what city government is going to pay attention to because that is what the city attorney is going to demand that they follow. A advisory letter from us is not binding, but an ordinance is, and I think that needs to that that has a lot of gravity, and if we have the ability uh, to um, recommend, uh, convince, uh, influence uh, it with the uh, Board of Supervisors, uh, then I think we should do that. Um, you know, public records is very important to us, obviously. Uh, a lot of this also came up with not just about email, but text messaging. A lot of text messaging was going uh, kind of behind a, a curtain that cannot be reopened. Uh, because certain text messaging apps just start deleting the, the messages as you start writing them. So there's no record. Uh, so even if you were to try to impose Smith versus San Jose, those app, the information of those apps, poof, gone. So, you know, I, having something like this, making it real for city, um, uh, the city family, I think, is really important. The second thing is familiarize yourself with what's happening in Los Angeles right now. 
there's a lot of open government violations and non-compliance that is happening that is part of that legal explosion going on with um, city officials in Los Angeles. And a lot of it stems from exactly this particular issue, the context of this issue. That's it, thank you. Thank you, Member Wolf. Not gonna solve everything. Yeah, I, I'm gonna actually, you know, kind of jump on what you said. I, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, and, and some of us have mentioned, we kind of have a, a two prongs to consider here. Do we wanna write a letter? Do we wanna, you know, uh, have an ordinance suggestion or some combination thereof? Um, I'm kind of of the opinion personally that, like you said, Member Wolf, that the ordinance is going to have a lot more weight than us sending off some type of advisory letter. Um, so I would say that I think we should focus our effort first on trying to get some language finalized. And I think it needs to be, you know, pretty simple, which is, you know, city officials should have email addresses created and they should be compelled to create, to do conduct city business on those email addresses, right? I think that's pretty straightforward. I think nearly anyone can kind of get behind that concept. Um, I think once we get that and send that off to the board and ask them to consider it, perhaps at that point, that's time to work on the letter and say, hey, we sent this off to the board. This is why we think it's a good idea. We would appreciate your support or, or, or what have you. Um, oh, but those are my thoughts. I, I think it'd be great if we can help uh, Member Sugarman. Yeah. Hi, um, so I just have a couple of questions and comments. Um, one thing is, of course, I support the creation of email addresses for this board. Um, but looking at the letter, uh, it seems like in terms of when you're discussing rewriting it or, or changing it, um, that maybe you don't focus necessarily as much on San Jose, only in the sense that um, it says in this letter that here, when we hold a city employee personal account, communicate about the conduct of public business, the writings may be subject to disclosure. So, in creating a city email account that doesn't really preclude people from still communicating about official business on their private ones. So, like that, like precedent to me is not necessarily like it is. It doesn't necessarily like fix the entire thing. Um, but in terms of, I just have a question in terms of like what to do. Um, like in terms of writing a letter, or if you want to amend something. What has been done so far? I, I, on this, um, not much. Actually, I'll give you just a little. Cause I think everyone here kind of has the background of it, and you know, I'll, I'll kind of you know try to bring you up to speed. So we've had a series of cases where people are looking for public records related to emails, right? So one of them were were emails related to the redistricting task force, and I think one or two of the members had an email address created, and the rest of them said, "Don't bother. I'm just going to use my personal one." Right. So then. Redistricting task force has a, a deadline. They, they are no longer in effect after the, you know, it's approved. And so then afterwards, you know, there were some people who wanted to see those emails and trying to get them, the, have the city try to get them was very challenging because they were stored on a Gmail, a Yahoo, whatever it is that they happen to use, right? Um, so that's one issue, right? Then there's another, and there's another issue where we had an elections commissioner, I believe, who was provided a city email address and said, for whatever reason, he didn't want to use that one. Um, so he used his personal one for city business, right? And so again, he left left his, his term. City goes searches his, his um, you know, official government email account. There's basically nothing in there. Trying to track someone down after they left city surface, city service to try to 
get those emails under Smith's versus San Jose is troubling, right? So I think you're absolutely right. It's not and just creating in the library, right? Which is the last one that did this where we had someone who wanted to get the email addresses of library commissioners so that he could send them public correspondence, you know, advocate for whatever his position was. And the library said, uh, we're not going to give you the email addresses of the library commissioners. They are using their personal email addresses and privacy protection says that we can't give you their email addresses. And he said, no, I want to be able to communicate with my, you know, city officials. And so you should give it to me. And so we said, you had to compel, you know, that if they decided to basically use their personal address as a de facto official address and start doing city business under them, then they have to then disclose it. I don't think that's been done, but that's, you know, a lot of these problems that we just talked about would be solved if people were a all given the city email address and had to, and, and the second problem, they, it's not just having it, but having to use it also. Um, so that's kind of, I think what we were trying to, and anyone jump in if I missed something, but I think that's kind of the gist of what we were trying to solve with this right now. Obviously, our group, we don't even have city email addresses. But there are a lot of them out there that do have them and just aren't using them. Um, so it's it's kind of trying to tackle both of those issues. Mr. Chair. Uh, yeah. I will we'll just say that we used to have business cards, actually. That means anything. <laughs> I still have my box at home. I will be finding it and reusing it. <laughs> um, so. Again, I, I will volunteer on the legislative piece. Maybe that's the thing that we should work on first and then figure out how to recraft the letter. Because now in thinking about it, maybe if we redirect most of the letter uh, as a transmittal to the board attaching the legislation, because it kind of argues for the legislation and here's why. And that would be different from a subsequent communication to city departments saying, well, this is uh, working through. Here is our interim advice for those of you that haven't. Go figure it out, spend the 100 bucks a year and just set up an email address and we'll leave you, you know, just do the right thing. I mean, it's there are a lot of big problems in the world and in the city. This is actually not a big problem to solve. It's like, you know. Okay, anyway, so I will volunteer to do that. Do we need an action? Yeah, so, to, so collectively, do, do we have an idea of where we want to move as a group when. What, what we want, what action we want to take next when you want me to reschedule this on the agenda. Uh, what's everyone's thoughts? I'm happy to do whatever. It, it's, I'll just note that it's the next meeting is what 15 days away. That might be fairly fast. Was that too soon? A little too soon. soon. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit too soon to get anything on September just because, particularly if we're going to have ask our DCAs to review language, that might be pretty fast. Well, uh, I was just going to say, just you know, uh, agreed to have member Pilpel formulate a draft and 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 just continue to the call of the chair. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Is that a motion? That was a motion. Okay, so moved by member Highland. Second. To... <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. To authorize member Pilpel to work with legal counsel to draft proposed language. Um, how do we want to say it? Um, on city email addresses and continue the matter to the call of the chair. That work? Yeah, everyone? and and I would just commit to yes, do that. We can talk tomorrow around um if we can cook up even a, a first draft uh in a week which may be possible because this is very small and it may not be final um then maybe we can bring it back for further discussion sure. at the end of the agenda uh, for september yeah. and if it's not ready then for october yes so let me know um move my member highlands like member wolf yeah uh, member pilpel let me know by probably like mid next week 
soon. if you want it on September. Okay. Chop, chop. Okay. So I think we got a motion, um, a, a plan at least move this to the next stage. Any other comments before we move to public comment? All right. Seeing no hands, let's go ahead and move to public comment on that. I am just double checking. If anyone like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. If you're on the telephone, it's star three. Otherwise, use the application to raise your hand. I am seeing no raised hands at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. And there is no one in the room with us. So we'll go ahead and close public comment. And I think we're ready for a vote. So Cheryl, uh, go ahead and take the vote when you're ready. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Uh, Member Hill, absent. Member Wolf. Aye. And I thought I seconded. Yeah, I was, I was going to point that out. Uh, that Member Wolf was the seconder, so he should be read second when you take the vote tally. So that's moved by Member Highland, seconded by Member Wolf. Oh, I thought you were the All right. Um, Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Chair Wong. Uh, absent. Uh, Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. And if you could just read the vote total. Got it. Uh, Member Highland will work with legal counsel to draft. No, 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 no. Member Pilpel. Okay. Member Highland, seconded by Member Wolf, to authorize Member Pilpel to. Work with legal counsel and continue to add and, and continue to work with legal counsel on proposed ordinance language regarding city email addresses and to continue the matter to the call of the chair. You ready, Cheryl? We good? Yeah. Okay. To, uh, and to work with legal counsel to draft this letter. No, no, no. it's to, not a letter. It's not a letter to draft a proposed ordinance regarding city email addresses. And continue to call the chair. Yep. Okay, I think we're good on this item. Thanks everyone. That was a, a good discussion. And we're, we're kind of moving along on schedule. So that's great. So let's go ahead and move to item number. 13. Item number 13. Sunshine ordinance amendment consider proposing an amendment to the sunshine ordinance regarding the requirements in administrative code 6730 a. That the task force shall at least shall include at least 1 member who shall be a member of the public who is physically handicapped. The sunshine ordinance task force initially discussed this item at its regular meeting on June 7, 2023. No action was taken, but chair Yankee stated he would place this item on a future agenda. Okay, thank you Cheryl. So just to kind of bring everyone up to speed, particularly the, the new members. Um, this kind of got started by a request from the mayor's office of on disability. It found that there is a requirement to the Sunshine Ordinance that a member of the Sunshine Ordinance um, quote uh, shall be a member of the public who is physically handicapped. Uh, they kind of requested that we uh, propose to the board that we change who is physically handicapped 
to instead say with a disability. Um, we had discussion about whether that was a substantive or a non-substantive change. If it if it really changes the uh, intent of the Sunshine Ordinance, um, that might not be something that the board alone can do, since this is a voter-initiated uh, ordinance that might have to go back to uh, the voters. Um, I believe Mr. Pilpel at the time, who's now member Pilpel, um, talked about how he used to say with a disability that the last. The, the, the more recent version of Sunshine Orange, I think passed in what, 99, changed that from disability to physically handicapped, which suggests that there may be a, may have been some type of, you know, substantive reason behind that wording change. Um, but that's what the voters did. So. That's what the voters did. Um, so we kind of, you know, left that out there. We thought, you know, we moved on with the agenda, thought we'd give it a time, some time for everyone to think about it. Um, there was some thought, maybe we say, who is physically disabled, right? Because this disabled might be might be more encompassing than physically disabled, and thus a, a, a substantive change of the ordinance. Um, so I said I would bring it back. That's where we're at. Or we could do this as a standalone thing. We can see if what CAC is doing wants to include this, with the other amendments. But that's where we're at. So I'll leave it at that. And if anyone wants to jump in, we can take it from there. Member Wolf, go ahead, Member Wolf. So a couple of things. One is um, I agree with you on on, on your suggestions uh, that we don't know why necessarily specifically it needed to be physically disability, so to speak. Um, the word handicap has all kinds of connotations, as we know. But um, uh, the whether to physical, physically or not to physically is is the question, I guess. Uh, but my my larger concern is what is happening right now with regards to how uh, the appointment for uh, a person with this status has, uh, because now it's being interpreted that it's not just going to be uh, necessarily the one seat that requires it, but that it could be anyone on the task force. Okay. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because if if that is the way that things are going to go and that we're looking for an amendment uh, for this, there's people can have with have disabilities, but have absolutely no lens for for disability issues. And except maybe for their own personal experience, and we have nearly half the board that is from uh, uh, representative organizations that have a very specific lens and they have nominated and we and as those people have been appointed to provide that lens as they make their decisions uh, on this task force. For all the years that I've been on the task force since 2005, we have always had somebody with a disability that was from some representative group or had some expertise in the community or with regards to the law around uh, disability. Um, and I don't, I, I, I feel very strongly that that should not be lost. So if we're going to ask for an amendment uh, and there's going to be this regard that it could be any, any one person on the task force having a disability, I don't want it to be tokenized. And I say that with emphasis because it's a protected class. 
And I think that it's important that um, at least one member, and it could remain that seat 11, uh, should be nominated from a representative disability organization that's concerned with access to public records, public meetings, barrier removal, and the ADA and other similar federal, state, and local laws. And I'll stop there. Thank you, Member Wolf. Other members? Member Popo? I've already spoken on this a number of times prior to my return to the task force. I don't really want to belabor that right now. I don't want to engage in a uh, long debate or discussion with Member Wolf, who I respect but slightly disagree with uh, on this point. For me, I think when we get to the next item and talk about how the CAC is dealing with uh, the amendments, it seems to me like, among other things, uh, the ordinance and possible amendments relate to uh, the the in general section, uh, Article 1, uh, meetings, records, policy implementation, uh, enforcement, and the composition and powers and duties of this task force. It is not a minor issue, it, but in my view, it is not any more significant or less significant than the other components of the uh, ordinance. And I am not particularly comfortable or interested in moving uh, an amendment to change one word or two words related to this particular description of uh, the membership of this task force without getting into all of those other things. Because I think as member Schmidt pointed out on the previous item, it either gets lost or marginalized or doesn't get, or it gets dealt with only in that narrow context, which is important it's not unimportant, but I think it loses the fairly important discussion that I don't think we've had yet and should have, and the Board of Supervisors should have, and the public should have, about the basic composition of this body in general, and I don't think we're ready for that yet. So I just think this, I, I understand the concern. I'm not insensitive to it. I just think it is premature, and it should go in as an item to be discussed relative to the overall composition of this body. Thank you, uh, Member Triggerman. Okay, so this is just something to put into the conversation of how to decide this. Um, I personally am feeling something about this item um, because I consider myself a person with a disability, uh, not one that I want to put into the public record but one that I will, you know, more than willing to share with the board when we're not like on the record about it. However, um, the relevant point actually is that um, there are actually two. One is um, that I brought it up um, in my application and I also brought it up again because it came up during my appointment hearing actually and I, um, and I called afterward to mention this condition with, um, with a member of the board. 
And I was told specifically in that instance that um, what I was describing, <laughs> my condition, did not qualify specifically because it was not a physical disability. So, for example, if I wasn't in a wheelchair or if I didn't like have uh, need some walking assistance or some other physical disability. Um, and in that way, it, it, I think that the point was described to me that it had to do with disability access. So, like, access to the building, for example. Um, so, in that way, I don't know how you want to change it um, or, you know, how you want to uh, address the issue. But it is something where this language is creating that specific definition class. <laughs> Um, the second point, um, is just not really related. It's, it's, it's within the same conversation and it was already dealt with, but, um, I had disclosed within my application again, the disability, and it was immediately made public, <laughs> which I didn't know was like going to happen. So that's just like something else to like, and, and, and the board very, um, graciously dealt with it. I was, I was grateful for how they handled it. I just want to mention that as like, in terms of like. How you want to necessarily address this language in terms of people who are applying for something like this. Those are great points. Thank you, Member uh, Sugarman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't believe that somebody would have uh, responded with the idea that it only has to do with facilities. I'm not sure who you spoke with, but. That seems just um, viscerally wrong. I I don't see how they could take the language that's in this provision and somehow try to limit that. You know, I, I unfortunately that's what they said to you. But I would say to you that if you know if we were considering the idea, that's certainly not something that I would uh, be. Uh, be amenable to uh, also yes this is a this is a a situation for many many people where they don't necessarily want to broadcast they don't necessarily want to put themselves in a situation where they have to uh, disclose to people that any number of people, and so there should be a better process for protecting people who would seek to somehow, you know, qualify for it. it, it it's it's not necessarily a, a type of description of a seat or a board membership uh, that you see very often. I'm sure it's out there in a few places, but it really is is uh, people need to realize that there's going to have to be some nuances in how we decide who would qualify and who would not qualify. And there needs to be a better process. And that's something that I think probably has to be up to us because this would be a member who sits on this board. We need to be aware of what's going on with people asking questions, people disclosing 
um, because I wouldn't want to just have people thinking that they got to go to the board of supervisors and just start telling everyone something that they don't legally need to tell people. So I, I, I that that that's extremely disturbing to me. One that they told you that, and two that you couldn't put it through the board of supervisors and have somebody there who understood the 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 sensitive nature of this information. And I, I mean, cities everywhere they have people who understand how this kind of thing is done and they figured out the, the right way to do it. I can't believe that it would be done so ignorantly in the process that you went through. That's all. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, you know, the sentiments that everybody has put forward, uh, including um, Member Schmidt's uh, last comments. Um, you know, the purpose of seat 11 being designated uh, as a disability seat is is so that there's a deliberate action upon a person to reveal that they have a disability. Okay, for the it that that is that that question for for there to be like a checkbox to say do you have a disability and for that then then become a. Uh, uh, a matter of public record is absolutely, I agree, incorrect. Uh, that that is that you know kind of blows HIPAA out of the water. So I you know I I think it's really um, I think I to be honest with you I think the board of supervisors through its rules committee uh, needs to be very careful when it comes to uh, uh, making uh, determinations around people with disabilities for the purpose of um, assuring that a person with a disability is on this body. And for and uh, I'll not repeat them, but for the reasons that I, I brought up before, um, and so that there is that lens uh, that we're uh, concerned about. So I'll, I'll stop there, thank you. Thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, Member Stein. So I realize like a host of issues are are being discussed around this. Oh, is it not working? Um, I realize there's a host of issues being discussed around this, and um, I can see a value of making it part of a larger discussion if we're looking at um, amendments to the Sunshine Ordinance. But I also think it's relatively easy for us to go ahead and just change the language a teeny tiny bit. <laughs> um, you know, following the recommendation recommendation of the mayor's office of disability, and I would feel perfectly comfortable saying um, a member of the public with a physical disability, because I don't think it changes the intent of the voters. Um, and that doesn't preclude us from going forward and like sort of re looking at, you know, the composition of the task force. And then I also just wanted to say to say another thing that we can maybe look at with this just internally is, you know, if there are some organizations out there that are. Um, advocacy organizations for people with physical or other disabilities that we could try to partner with to um, have them suggest nominees to us in the same way that we partner with the Society of Professional Journalists or the League of Women Voters. Um, that could also um, 
help ensure that we get someone who's part of the disability community and understands what those issues are and has done advocacy for those issues. So I just want to say I'm not at all opposed to accepting this language and even you know adding physical disability so that we keep the physical component there and we don't really change it from the task from the um, what's in the ordinance except for to get rid of a a word that's offensive to some people. Um, so I just want to say that. Thank you, Member Stein. And yeah. Um, I'll, I'll kind of, to your point, uh, bring up that this is, we really don't have a good organization to help with this, right? So that's why um, I, I believe the clerk of the board's office reached out to the mayor's office on disability to try to help recruitment and get someone for this seat. And essentially, um, it came to that they didn't feel comfortable, in fact, recruiting using this existing language. And so they asked us to change it or to at least okay the fact they might send out a like a recruitment notice, for lack of a better term, that uses not the word handicapped. So are they not okay with physical disability? They they had suggested just with a disability. Mm -hmm. Now, if I recall from our last meeting on this, that the DCA um, cautioned us about removing the word physically, that that may, you know, for better, for worse, whatever, that that would be a more substantive change, right? Um, and that if we were to recommend that type of language, that's not something the board themselves could pass. That would have to go on a ballot and be passed by the voters. That's, I think, the simple thing that the board could kind of use as cleanup language, right? Um, so I think that's that's a good point. I think, you know, I think we have a choice of do we want to, you know, if, if we're going to go to the voters and ask for voters to approve a whole host of amendments, um, is this something that, that should go through that process and be included? Um, we could, you know, ask if they clean up just that one word, the handicap, and change it to disability. And I think that uh, at least at the, if I recall correctly, our legal counsel said that they at least preliminarily thought that that's something that the board themselves could do and would not have to go to the voters. Um, I think or there's, a, there's, a, there's another option. We could try to put just this and say the, to the board, this is just so super important. Please put this before the voters just to clean this up. I mean, that's, I, I suppose, another idea that we could do. So I think those are some of the various options that we have available to us. Um, I'm not sure what, what we want to take. Uh, yeah, Member Wolf. Yeah, just real quick, I just want to echo, you know, this point. I think it's I think it's fine to just change the word handicap uh, to disability, leaving the word uh, physically in there if there's not a clear consensus uh, from uh, the city attorney's office, our own DCA with regards to the ethical firewall um, uh, uh, to do that. Um, I also want to say, I really, if you were looking for disability organizations, I wish you would have contacted me about that being the disability representative here. Uh, I can rattle off four or five different organizations that are highly reputable that focus on, on disability rights and advocacy uh, that you know could have been asked uh, or inquired with. Uh, and that if, and I, and it's part of my retirement from the, uh, task force, I am act, have activated them so that we can actually have some folks to apply for the seat. It's very difficult to get people with disabilities to come on this task force with the amount of work and the amount of um, of, uh, of of meetings that uh, people need, you know, uh, and to sit and hours that people have to sit through. Uh, it's kind of a, a known. A known factor in the disability community. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. 
Yep. Uh, thank you, Member Wolf. And, and, and I know that you had told me that you were exploring those as well. I think the, the clerk of the board's office was doing this in addition, you know, because we had, they hadn't received any applications through uh, the outreach efforts that, that you had done. But we're, you know, certainly appreciative of all that, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully we can find the folks who want to devote the amount of time it takes. And you're absolutely right. It does take a lot of time to be on this board. Um, I lost this. Uh, I mean, Member Schmidt, Member uh, Pilpel. Yes, let's try to then Member Stein. Then we'll try to wrap this one up. Yeah, uh, I I do think that the the change um, from eliminating the word physical, we probably shouldn't go quite that far because it does feel to me also as to legal counsel that that is arguably a substantive change. Um, it seems to me that though the the other change we might want to consider just you know going along with the request of the mayor's office of disability i think we should submit this where if it is a request to the board to make an amendment they know that this is coming from both organizations uh, but you know as long as that is somewhere in the paperwork. It's something I definitely support. Thank you, Member Schmidt, Member Pilpel, and then Member Stein, and then I think we're going to try to wrap this one up. I I was going to uh, either move or, or support um, filing this hearing at some point. I am sort of moved by the discussion to be supportive of language and DCA, uh, Collins, if you could um, just take a look at the, the one pager for a second. Um, that absent anything else uh, in the world that would read who at least one member who shall be a member of the public who has a physical disability and who has demonstrated interest in blah, blah, blah. I think that would likely accomplish the getting rid of the word handicapped without changing the underlying intent. I get that it is contrary to, it's not entirely contrary to the voters' intent um, in Prop G in, in 1999. However, even if we were to propose that and go through the board, there's a whole process to do all of that. What I was going to suggest is if we still put this with CAC to consider in its amendment process and talk about the timeline, maybe soon, um, if that amendment process has not evolved uh, to yield the big package by April or when we do our next annual report that we highlight in our next annual report that particular fix and for that matter anything else that may have already come out of the CAC process as being absolutely consensus things that are non-substantive that or that we would argue are non-substantive, so we're not just proposing an ordinance to change three words. So that's that's now where I am. But again, I'm open to, to different things. If there's consensus around that, I'm happy to move that as close the file with that direction to, to CAC with that understanding that something would move on this by April with our next annual report to give us a little oomph to do something. Okay, Member Stein, then, then you, okay. Member Stein? Um, yeah, I was going to say, if we don't have organizations that were already, you know, 
close to that would help find these um, if somebody fill this kind of position. I would love to, for Member Wolf to send this maybe. I don't know if our education and outreach group would do something like this, but just when there are vacancies, we should be sending emails with a notice of these vacancies and this position and maybe even making a phone call to some of the organizations that you are aware of that might have people that, that can do this. Um, but I wanna say, um, you know, I think it's a really easy, quick fix to adopt this language, just adding physical. I mean, I wouldn't change anything in what the mayor's office of disability recommended, except for to put the word physical in front of disability with a physical disability. And then however long it takes to get to whatever amendments there are, we can be working on that, but we've at least fixed this small piece, which is not ideal right now. And I guess I'll just say to that end, I and mean, we'll see if this goes anywhere, I will make a motion that we accept this language, but we use the language with a physical disability if it's something that our legal counsel thinks is, is possible. I'm I'm confused. What is so what do you, when you say accept the language, the language and then do what with it? Just accept it as well as something that we believe should be changed in our in the sunshine ordinance. And right, but we can't change the sunshine ordinance on our own. No, but we can just say that we believe this change should happen. And how would we do that? Sorry. Oh, I, I just think it would just be a motion that we pass that we agree that this is acceptable language for now. If we want to go ahead and change it later, we can, but this is what's been recommended by the mayor's office of disability. So this is like a philosophical support of language change, whatever mechanism, like whatever we decide to do with it later. I suppose. Or are you saying that we should actively send this proposal to the board like tomorrow after a meeting and say, please do this. That's yeah. that's where I thought we were going. Yeah, that's yeah, where that's, I thought we were going. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Member Wolf, did you yeah. have something? Yeah, I, I was just going to say the only message that I think we need to send to the Board of Supervisors is, can you please change the, the word handicapped to disability? Or, uh, right. I mean, we there's there's four words that need to be changed. It has, it's what uh, uh, Member Pilfell said. We change who is physically handicapped to who has a physical disability. Or I, I would Why not either way. Physical disability, either since that's the language that they recommended. Sorry, I think my, my role was. I, I would. I just want to say, it, I would leave it up to the attorneys to determine what the correct <laughs> verbiage should be, but that we want the word handicapped to be eradicated and to be replaced with the word disability. I mean, is, is DCA Kelly Collins uh, and as. As we spoke about previously, changing the word from disability or from handicap to disability, um, our office doesn't think that's going to be problematic as a substantive change. Uh, as long as we keep physical in there uh, somewhere, I think, you know, the, the semantics of the exact. Mm -hmm. 5 uh, words can probably get hammered out uh, through the board of supervisors process. Member Schmidt. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Member Stein, if your motion included that we make a request to the board uh, to to pass an amendment to the ordinance with this language, I, I would certainly second and I think I certainly yeah. think there may be mem many members. Is that part of your motion? Okay. Okay, so just to make sure I put the motion up. So you're moving to Proposed to the board 
a change to the sunshine ordinance. Change to six sixty-seven point three zero eight to replace the word handicapped with. No, I mean to actually follow what they've what they've said here, except for. With physical it would say at all times the task force shall include at least one member who shall be a member of the public with a physical disability and who has demonstrated interest in citizen access. Okay, so with with the yeah. change who is physically handicapped to with a physical disability. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's uh, did we want to um, designate a person to take that on? I didn't know, Member Wolf, since you're the disability representative, that's a I'm happy to do it. Okay. Well, so that's my motion. Okay. So oh, hang on a second. Is your second. motion include Member Wolf or just to make the motion in general? Oh, no, just the motion in okay. general. That we, who started the motion again? Member Member Stein. So I'll let her reread it. Okay. So I move that we, um, you know, following the mayor's office on disabilities recommendation, but with a slight change to say that. Um, to tell the Board of Supervisors that we want to amend section 67.30A of the Administrative Code to read, um, at all times the task force shall include at least one member who shall be a member of the public with a physical disability. And then the rest of the sentence and who has demonstrated interest in citizen access and participation in local government. So we're just adding to their proposed change with a physical disability. Um, who has a demonstrated what? Interest in citizen access and participation in local government. Okay, so that's moved by member Stein. Do we have a second? I'll second it. Member Schmidt seconded. I did, did you? Yeah. I, I didn't second yet, but I'll let Member Wolf okay. second. Can I just add? So, so Member Wolf seconded, and then yeah. go ahead, Member Schmidt. Okay. I just want to clarify that the following words um, are either included or not included. We are, as a task force, we're recommending that the board make an amendment. Is that what you want to do here? Yes. Okay. And they're allowed, they are allowed to make <coughs> right. non-substantive changes. Right. They, the board alone can make non-substantive changes like they did. The last time they did this is when seat four mm -hmm. was a, uh, a nominated seat by an organization that no longer existed. And so they replaced the, the, the seat with, I believe. It, it was New America Media, which no longer exists. Yes. And they asked the Society of Professional Journalists to take over responsibility for nominating that for that seat, but with the same requirements for the seat. Right, right. So, yeah, that was the announcement. I think a substantive change just as a broader, you know, obviously example would be like, you know, currently it's 10 days you can do public records. Let's change it to 20 days, right? You know, that would be obviously a substantive change that they yeah. can't go in there. Okay, I just want to make sure that I've got this right. Laura moves, Bruce second, that the following with the mayor's office on disability that we want to amend section 6730. A 30A. I mean, it's all in the letter, Cheryl, on page three, that's item 13. To read that at all times the task force shall include one member. At least one member. Shall include. 
Cheryl, I would recommend just looking at the attachment and literally grabbing the words from there instead of trying to type it live. It's just, they, they already crossed out who is physically handicapped. So it's just crossing out who's physically handicapped, replacing it with a, and then as member Stein pointed out. With a, a physical, physical disability. disability. So you're just adding one word to their proposed change. And DCA Collins here. All right, fine. So, okay, go ahead, member. Okay, so I I get where the the group is. I may still vote no, and let me briefly ex explain why. I just I think I find some irony in the in my view the amount of time, money, and effort to calendar and process this. It's probably far more than it would cost the city to just give us all email accounts um, or do any number of other things that we might think are good or arguably a higher priority. And I worry, quite frankly, I, I take Member Sugarman's point about different types of abilities and disabilities. I don't know that that gets addressed here. I think that also should go in the big soup of uh, member qualifications for a future discussion, but I do worry that advocates for other perspectives in the city, whether it's uh, immigrant rights or uh, people from the Richmond or uh, underpaid uh, restaurant workers or any number of constituencies in the city might, not necessarily will, but might glom onto this and say, well, why are we changing this to fix that without adding 14 more members to this task force, whatever. I just, I think it, although it appears to solve a very narrow problematic piece of language, I think it, it may open up any number of other things and at, at a minimum suggest, well, why are we focused on this rather than the bigger package of amendments that we all know needs to get it attended to? I, I don't, anyway, I just, I just, what did, what did they say? I just think the optics for me aren't that great on this right now. I'm not averse to doing this. Mm. Uh, Member Sugarman. Um, thank you. I think the word handicap is offensive to a lot of people. I, I agree with that. Um, and I also, um, I, I respect your position. I, I also think, though, that if uh, diversity were an issue that were important to other groups, that first of all, they should be able to raise them. But second of all, they may have already done that at any point that this has already been in existence for as long as it has been. That's all. Okay. Thank you, uh, Member Schmidt. Yeah, and I'm just speaking to cleaning up the language on this so we get it right. Okay. okay. So, as a task force, we're recommending, or we could say requesting, whichever you but I believe we talked about recommending that the board amend the ordinance. So I think that if we if we have that language in there, they're going to know what we're talking about. Yeah, with I, I think that's Set. I accept that as a you know. Cheryl, did I? Do you want me to give you that to you again? Wait, yeah, I recommend that the board that the board amend. The ordinance. The ordinance. Okay. I would, I, would, I would make sure it says in accord also with 
the suggestion, the recommendation by the mayor's office on disability. So it's not yep. just us, it's the mayor's office on disability and the task force recommend that they make this change. Yeah, yeah, none of that changes. I just yeah. wanted to get the operative yeah. four words in there. Member Hood? Yeah, I would like to support this motion. Um, even though there are lots of other things we're considering for other amendment, amendments, this is specifically to remove a word, a problematic, a word that keeps some people find offensive. This is a very easy, uh, a very easy change that we can request now. We can have further discussions about other things we want to do, but I do think this is something we should take care of now because it might take six months or longer for us to get through everything else. And I just. I, I think it's within the scope of things that we can do and request and I, and since we were asked to do this by the mayor's office on disability, and it's not a substantive change. I think we should try to move it through as quickly as possible. Thank you. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, I agree. I think this is so non controversial. I can't see this taking much time at all. Um, from the board, I mean, obviously, it takes some time administratively to do these things, but this is not something I think that needs to lag. I think when the the, the whole group of amendments comes from your group, uh, there's probably things we're going to pick and choose and discuss and parse out and all that. And this is something that obviously is timely. This this request came in May. We've heard from numerous people about why they find this offensive. I think let's just clean it up. So, uh, last time, and then we need to get to a bit here. I I just want to ask on the. Mechanics, if this motion passes, which it seems like it will, um, are we implicitly asking the city attorney to draft this? And are we not necessarily explicitly, but again, implicitly authorizing you to prepare a letter to forward this to the board? Or does that does need to come? I, back my here? understanding is the mechanics that of making this. I, I believe member Wolf is going to is volunteered to um, communicate this to the board. So there will be no legislation. There's no legislation created, nor are we authorizing a letter. We're just expressing the support of the task force. That we're recommending for the idea. that uh, for well, the we kind of we're off, we're authorizing Member Wolf to write the letter that conveys this this recommendation. This for, for him to write it and for you to sign it. I mean, no, it doesn't mean to mean sign it. He, he can for him to write he as a task it. force. Okay. We're we're making a, this record. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it, you know you know to, to to your point, Member Wolf, it has to be. Whatever communication you send obviously has to be narrowly tailored to what's just been passed and can't have additional commentary. I mean, unless you want to write your own letter simply from the task force. I know you expressed a variety of, of, of other ideas. And I'm not saying they're good, bad, or whatever, but that's it, not part of the motion, right? So but it, but it, but let me let's just be clear. I when there was a call for it to have me do it, I agreed. I didn't ask to do it. So, if you so want me to do it, I will do it in the way that's representative of all of us here. Perfect. Great. I think I'd be, that would be terrific. Okay. Uh, I think we're all clear on where we're at on this. Okay. So, I think we're ready for a vote. That, oh, public comment. Public comment. Yes. If anyone would like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time. You've been on the telephone. You can press star three to raise your hand. If you're using the application, you can otherwise use the application to raise your hand to indicate that you'd like to make public comment. I'll give everyone a few moments. I see no indications for public comment on this matter. 
Okay, and see no one here in the room, we'll go ahead and close public comment. And I think we're ready for our vote. So Cheryl, could you call the roll? Member Stein? Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood? Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill? Absent. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Pilpel? No. What would you say? No. No. Member Pilpel, no. Uh, Vice Chair Wong, absent. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two. Seven in favor, one no. Okay. And and uh, two absent. Two absent, yeah. Okay. I think that's where we're at at this item now. We can move on to the next item unless anyone needs a break. Let me know. Are we good? Anyone? Okay. We'll move on. Okay. Reading number 14? Let's go to number 14. Okay. Item number 14, Sunshine Ordinance Amendment Process. Receive an update from the Compliance and Amendments Committee regarding their work considering various amendments to the Sunshine Ordinance and discuss a potential timeline for consideration and action by the full task force. Thank you, Cheryl. Maybe this should have come first, <laughs> but I'm going to turn this over to um, Compliance and Amendments Chair LaHood to kind of give us an update. I know they've been doing a lot of work and just this is a discussion only item, nothing we don't know actually need to take, but I think it's right. kind of. Good for us to know where we're at. Right. So just to update everyone, um, uh, at the past several compliance and amendment committee meetings, except the one we had today, which was an abbreviated meeting, we have been looking at the ordinance and um, uh, uh, we're going through it systematically. We're taking comments from members of the public. We, we actually had sort of open and two sessions where there were open ended suggestions and now we're going through it systematically. Um, because we still have other responsibilities, we're taking this in chunks, and I think it's it's going to take us probably two to three more uh, meetings. If we can get it get through it in October and December, I think that would be ideal because then we could report back to the board in January with where we are, and then maybe continue refining things. And um, I think someone had said. You know, or, uh, in fact, it might have been mem member Pilpel. Could we get this done by April? I think that's a reasonable timeline. I don't think we're going to get through it any faster, and it might take longer depending on other caseload issues. Um, but um, you know, we've had lots of interesting comments and response, and I think the further we get through in this process, I think we're going to see um, more coalescing. Um, and, but I think there, we, we need to get through that process and I think we're going to need to come to the full task force a couple of times, um, in order to move the whole process forward. But that's my update. Great. Uh, a couple things on that. Um, we just talked about kind of earlier in the, in the thing about, uh, the December meeting, right? So, right. So we that might need a different that, meeting. Right. So that's, what I was going to say. So if there's anything I can do to advocate. Um, like I talked about that, we obviously kind of have been told limited on amount of meetings and so forth and so on. Um, I think this clearly has a deadline, right? We yeah. could, if we miss the deadline, then we're what two years longer before we get into the ballot because we no longer have odd year elections, right? So if we skip November, and I don't know off the top of my head what the deadlines are for the November. Does anyone know the deadline? Does anyone? Know? Yeah, generally, you're talking about November of twenty twenty four. Yeah, November of twenty four is going to be an interesting ballot. Yeah, aren't they all? Yes. Um, basically, an ordinance would need to be introduced at the board by like May, June. 
there's a, a late deadline for July, but I, I don't think we want to risk that. But that's that's like an order to submit. This is the kind of thing that even when it leaves here, isn't just going to be a five minute uh, production across the hall. Um, so I would anticipate some amount of time, and it's entirely possible that even if we come up with something fantastic, that they'll and it may not make November twenty four. Um, I'm I'm just being realistic. Yeah, that's if it has to go to the voters, right? So I, I think that yeah, to that point. So I think if there's anything I can do to either make sure if you need additional meeting slots to advocate with the clerk of the board's office, if we think as a a group that once it comes to us that we may meet, maybe need a special meeting so we can focus on this. Right? We I'm going to say no. I, the task force might need a special meeting yeah, for this because it's not. This is not trivial. And, and I think that, you know. And to that point, I'm going to add two more things. I think the more. I, I think there's we have to do kind of way two things right. If we try to include every every idea out there, it makes it that much more potentially controversial. Right. Right. Which means there's that many more pitfalls. There's that many more obstacles to overcome. Um, that much more delay, right? So I think at some point we're going to have to decide: do we coalesce around what we'll call like the consensus items, ones that we could all get behind, right? Like we just kind of talked about, right? There's obviously faulty language here, but there's going to be ones that like should records have to be turned over in eight days or seven days, right? You might get you know departments saying, well, that's undoable, right? I've seen various versions floating around, and so I think we're at some point we're going to have to make that decision of do we go for efficiency and get the low hanging fruit if we try to get the everything. How might that affect the time? Yeah, I mean, I might uh, ask for member Wolf's opinion on this too, because he's been involved in yeah. many of those conversations, but maybe we should be thinking about like two columns, like the, yeah. like must have and nice to have. Yeah, yeah something like that. And at the, at, at a certain point, deciding what really is in the must have column. Yeah, yeah, because I think to, to, to member Pilpul's point, the more that we have controversial things, then it may even get held up at the board. So even if we get it out by April and all of us agree, or a majority of us agree, that might get it held up months more and get various groups for against and, and, and change things. So anyway, those are my thoughts. It, go ahead. A um, couple of quick things. I don't want to, I really don't want to go on it at length about this. Um, if we, there was a, a version years ago and I, I probably mentioned Ernie Laurenti a while back um, that was literally a hundred pages or 112 pages of, of amendments that was, act, I. I think it actually was approved as to form. Feel free to go back in the file and find that one. Um, but it had all kinds of, I would argue, interesting ideas, uh, some convoluted. I mean, I think that was the version that had an order for speaker cards. So you couldn't take somebody out of order unless they agreed and you had to number the speaker card, uh, all kinds of things. I, I would suggest that one can do the, the fine tooth whatever on this and make it 200 pages of, of stuff. I'm not sure that I'm with that. I think, you know, getting the big fixes, which some of which may have cost and other implications, some of which may not, is good. I am a big fan of including language in there that would allow further amendments without going back to the voters, so long as the task force recommended by like two thirds and the board voted by two thirds, that there's some high threshold that allows amendments that are consistent with the intent. There's there's language in um, some of the ethics uh, laws that allows that same kind of thing. 
And if we use that kind of a model here, we could say, all right, here are the big fixes and the rest of the stuff we can clean up later and you guys don't need to know. That's a, an approach. It's not the only approach, but it's an approach and it might focus people on the big things that they really want as opposed to the other things that they might like. Thank you, Member Popel. Anyone else comments on this item? Again, it's not an action item, so when we're done, we're done, we just move on. Just want to make sure since does Member Wolf have Member Wolf, did you have anything on this? Yes, I mean, again, uh, well, I respect uh, my colleague here, Mr. Popel. I don't necessarily agree with that last uh, um, suggestion. Um, I, I, you know, I, I would I would just say we just need to continue on, and uh, I, I don't mind the way um, CAC Chair LaHood is is actually moving things forward. Um, I think if there are really high, you know, very substantive items that really need uh, focus, like maybe the next item on our agenda, um, you know, that we start taking up those items, and we we get to items that really will make a difference in the work that we do and uh, for the public. Thank you, Member Wolf. Anything else? Okay, I think we're ready to, oh, uh, public comment. Let's do public comment on this. If there's anybody who'd like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time, by pressing star three, or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I see no indications of public comment at this time. Okay, uh, we're going to close public comment and we'll move on. But no I'm going to do with that. No, no, no action. action. This was the discussion only item. All right, so no action. Um, I do need to use the restroom, and there's no vice chair here, so I am going to recess us for as long as it takes me to use the restroom, <laughs> if you don't mind. So should we turn the microphones yes. off?
Uh, okay, Victor, I think we're ready to begin again. Okay. Uh, calling us back in order at 930. Um, everyone in the room is present. Is Member Wolf present? Yes. You see him? Okay, thank you, Member Stack. Okay, so everyone is, all eight of us are here. Let's go ahead and move on to the next item, which is 15. 15. Item number 15, enforcing task force orders for public records. Discuss the role of the Compliance and Amendments Committee and the District Attorney, Attorney General in enforcing task force orders under Administrative Code 6721E as an Edward and consider, and consider formally requesting the attendance of the District Attorney or her representative at a future task force meeting for further discussion on this topic. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. So this is kind of um, an item I made after we kind of talked about this in a variety of ways. Some of it is um, some suggestions that um, Compliance and Amendments Chair LaHood had made to me about what's really the appropriate role, so I'll let her kind of speak to that. And then, if I recall, we had talked about you know the role of the district attorney. We talked about maybe inviting her to speak with us. Um, we were hearing a complaint, and kind of it may have been um, public member uh, Pilpel at the time recommended that that's not really an action we take to invite her as part of a complaint item and have it as a standalone item. So, um, mainly, it's you know obviously we, we we've bounced files back and forth between compliance and amendments. You know the. the Committee can do a lot of good, but some folks also feel that it is a, a waste of their time or they don't want to do that. And they think that if we sent things off to the DA's office, it would get them what they want faster. I'm not sure would or not, but regardless, there are parts of the sunshine ordinance that that um, seem to imply that that's something we shall, I think is the, is the language that it says shall do. Um, I, you know, since I've been on the task force, I don't recall any substantive conversations with the district attorney or any of um, his or her representatives over the years and them engaging us in any conversation about how that relationship might work, we do make referrals. So um, that's kind of the thought behind this topic. Maybe I'll turn it over to um, Member LaHood to kind of give her, her thoughts since I know she does a lot of compliance stuff. Yeah, so this was something, uh, and I can't remember which case it was, but uh, in a moment of frustration and I thought, why you know we're we're trying to um, we're trying to help people get the documents or the access that they're looking for, but in some cases I don't know that they want our help. They just want us to refer to ethics, or they want us to refer to the board of supervisors, or they want us to refer to, you know, the DA's officer. And uh, this was this is maybe throwing this out there for for um, consideration. Should we possibly have an option where after we issue an order of determination that we Tell pe we invite people to go through our compliance process through which we will try to, we will try to compel the delivery of documents or records or access according to the sunshine ordinance. But if they, people don't want to go through that process, they can request that we um, forward the orders of determination and we can come up with, you know, we, we could say, check off where you want this sent, and we will send it, but then we will not pursue further compliance. So you can go through our process, and we may eventually have the, ta the task force may eventually, with other supporting information, make those decide to make those referrals. But if you don't want to go through the compliance process, you could just ask us to make those referrals immediately. I wonder if that might be a way to move things along faster for people who don't actually want to go through the compliance process. Mr. Chair, yeah, go ahead, Mr. Wolf. 
you just put me on wherever you want in the stack. So other people want to speak in the room. I, I didn't see a hand yet, so I'll go ahead and turn it over to you just to start. Okay, great. So I don't know if you remember uh, when I was chair, we had dealt with this issue of trying to find different avenues of enforcement. And I don't remember if it was you yourself and or member of the hood that I met with then uh, district attorney Chesa Bodine and his staff. It was not me. It was not me either. Okay. I think there was some <laughs> other some other member that did. Uh, but I explored this with them um, specifically not because it just says it refers to them in the uh, Sunshine Ordinance, but it also refers to them in the Brown Act in various places. And so the response I got from the district attorney was very simple. If there is no crime, then we don't prosecute. And so they don't see that these administrative type of of uh, a kind of protocols or policies have any binding legal like enforcement that they could you know prosecute on so they don't really know what to do with it once they get it and essentially they would say it would probably it'll be just like thank you for letting us know it it's in our record but we don't know what to do with it so that needs to be explored as to what exactly do we want the district attorney to do and is it within their jurisdiction to do it now in the brown act there is and they still challenge that okay because they don't necessarily say it's a crime well in fact there are certain violations of the brown act that are misdemeanors which means that it does come under jurisdiction. So, so that's kind of long and the short of it when it comes to the uh, district attorney and the attorney general. Thank you, Member Wolf. Um, I, I do recall you you providing that that summary to us at the time. Um, obviously, there's a different district attorney now, so we may get a different answer. Maybe the same answer. I don't know. Um, I mean, personally, I think it may be helpful if we could have someone from their office come and if that's their position, at least publicly state it. So when we may be apprehensive to send things over or members of the public feel that we're not advocating or, or, or getting the district attorney to do something, then it's a matter of public record that, that that's the district attorney's position. If that truly is going to be their, the, the new district attorney's position, I, and I have no idea. Um, but I think, you know, member of the hood also brings up a great point. Is that, you know, maybe we want to uh, let the members of the public decide which avenue they want us to take. Um, I certainly don't want to make it look like we're holding back on trying to help members of the public. Um, but they may not understand those limitations of referral to district attorney. And so this might be an opportunity to, to, to express that if those are still, you know, current concerns that the district attorney would have. District attorney may ask to be written out of the ordinance. Yeah, they might. And, and you know what? If if the district attorney says, "Look, this is not the appropriate place for me," maybe it should be the city attorney. I don't know. Maybe it should be someone else. I mean, I I, I don't know. And I think that I think now might be a, a timely point to have this conversation as we're exploring 
Sunshine Ordinance amendments, that if this is truly a problematic part of the ordinance, and we've had this come up over and over again, where someone says, you shall refer to the district attorney, we're like, we will, but it's not going to do any good. And, and, and so then we do it, and obviously nothing happens, right? And so um, I think all of us are kind of, you know, want to see whatever we end up, wherever route we end up going, some type of enforcement mechanism that is meaningful. Um, and so this might be a good place to start that conversation, at least get the DA's perspective. And if they say write us out, well, then at least we have them on record saying write us out, right? And why they're asking for that, not just us coming up with this idea. Member Popel? Um, I don't want to do a long dissertation on 67.21 and all of its pieces, but I do want to share a little bit. Um, maybe two things. In the narrow, I think you can read the referrals to uh, ethics, the DA, the AG, others as being strictly in the ordinance. And it, if it says it, and if it says we shall, then we shall. And if it says that they shall take whatever measures they deem necessary, not clear that there are any, but if there are, that they shall do that. And to the extent that the ordinance imposes uh, powers and duties on an officer officer in the city, then they shall do that. That's a, a, a simple read. If it is in fact meaningless or surplus language, then perhaps it should be pulled or we should say until it's pulled, we're just not going to do it because it has no meaning. I, I tend to think that the DA and the AG are sort of just there, but not really doing anything. And I'll talk about that in one second. I think the Ethics Commission and the city attorney are perhaps more relevant for actually getting things done. Ethics in as much as they have powers to find official misconduct and uh, deal with employees and officers of the city. Uh, and the city attorney, if they so choose, and that's a different discussion about whether they can order a department to do blah, blah, blah. We'll have that discussion, maybe not tonight. Um, but, or maybe, and, and thinking about an earlier, uh, discussion we, we had maybe code compliance in city attorney land is an avenue to explore for enforcement of a thing. It's compliance with a certain code. It's not, you know, infestation in a building code sense, but it's code compliance. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a role for that group, um, in, in code enforcement. I don't know. We, we can think about that some more in, in the fullness of time. But the, the other point I was going to make coming back to Prop G and 1998, 1999, uh, I, among various people, sat with the folks that uh, drafted Prop G and those amendments. And there are a number of things that were sort of kind of out there ideas, some of which made it in, some of which didn't, and some of which weren't quite ready for prime time. And there was an idea about enforcement that, and, and it was probably Bruce Brugman who said, well, you gotta have some way to, to, get, to get at them. You, you gotta be able to do that, see? Um, and, and everyone else was like, well, well, what are you gonna do? There are only a certain number of offices that have the power to actually do anything. 
and somebody in the room, and uh, I don't know, I'm just throwing out names. It could have been Doug Comstock. It could have been uh, uh, Ross Mercurimi. It could have been Steve LeBlanc. I mean, there were there were people in those rooms who said, well, just, you know, the Ethics Commission just has been around for a few years. Put them in there all over the place. And um, the, the DA and the AG, they, they enforce laws, state laws and possibly other laws. Put them in there. And so... I'm not really kidding to say that's largely how that happened. And it wasn't with as much careful thought as you might hope for how the the DA goes from enforcing state law with regard to crimes to just getting like a little reference in here as if a referral under 67.21E is going to magically turn around a, a department that's intransigent or not knowing or whatever. It's not like it necessarily does the trick. Anyway, that's a little background. I hope that helps. Thank you, Mayor Popo. Any other comments? Mr. Stein? Just to me, um, I don't know who would have, I, I think Mr. Uh, Member Pilpel is exactly on like the idea of why do the, these? Why does the Attorney General show up in this document? Why does in the ordinance? Why does the DA? It, because it's it's a very poorly written provision of this ordinance. Shall notify the DA. What is what is that? I mean, it is. It does say shall notify, and I know that. This task force treats that as may notify. Uh, usually, shall means it has to happen. So that's the shall part of it. But notify, big deal. You'd notify the DA and they throw the garbage. Uh, Member Wolf pointed out that not with regards to documents, but with regards to the Brown Act, the DA actually could uh, do something here. And there are DAs around the state who actually do a level, a, a very slight level of Brown Act monitoring. They, I don't know if they're actually prosecuting any cases, but they send warning letters to municipalities about Brown Act violations. Maybe with our prior DA, if if they had some had had some really good case in front of them where there's a Brown Act violation and, uh, you know, they knew that that authority is there because they may not even know that the Brown Act authority is there. Maybe they would have taken interest in it, but I don't know if notify the DA is going to turn into anything at any point in time. Attorney General has no involvement in any of this. And so that's just sort of like, it's it's language that doesn't really, uh, it doesn't help us. And so I'd say that the whole thing, the, the, the whole way we need to treat this language with regards to DA, with regards to Attorney General is, we do need to send them the notifications, but we shouldn't expect that anything is gonna go further than that. Member Stein? Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate because it seems like it misleads the public into thinking that something more is going to be done and that we're refusing to do that for them. 
um, and that which is problematic all around, especially when we're probably the best hope through compliance and amendments of getting the documents that they want. At the same time, you know, because it's there, I kind of lean towards maybe we should just notify them every time somebody doesn't get their documents within five days and they'll end up with like, maybe they'll just toss it in the trash. Maybe they'll toss it in a file and they'll see the over time that. They've gotten so many notifications that, you know, this particular body hasn't complied or that particular body hasn't complied. And maybe if there is some kind of extreme example, at least they have like documentation if they haven't thrown it away, <laughs> if they've thrown it in a file that maybe there was a bigger problem here that they might want to act on. And since it is in the um, sunshine ordinance. I feel like we should probably just go ahead and do that notification automatically make it really brief, make it just like, here's the. X number of cases this quarter that were not provided the documents, even though we said they should be, and that's it. But it's still both ways it misleads the public, right? Into thinking that something's going to happen that's not going to. So it's kind of unfortunate. Mr. Chair. Yeah, I, I was going to, if, if you wouldn't mind, Member Wolf, I just want to jump in. Um, yeah, I, I have to, I, number one, I totally agree with you. I think it kind of leads folks down a, a dead end that's not going to be helpful to them and makes us look like. Or the impediment. So I think overall, you know, this is something I think needs to be cleaned up as part of a uh, a rewrite of this or amendments to the Sunshine Ordinance. Um, the second point is I, I think notify is such a, a flimsy word to use. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even think it goes as far as sending a report like that. I mean, I think it could literally be the sun. You know, Cheryl, after a meeting where we we said that you know, the the uh, uh, someone didn't get the records. Send an email to some district attorney, you know, the district attorney's email address and say, please see the attachment at the sunshine ordinance found that someone didn't get their records. Here's the link and that's notification, yeah. right? It doesn't mean we write a referral letter. We advocate, we put attachments, right? Which I would be hesitant to do and put any amount of time in this. If yeah. the district attorney isn't going to do anything with it, right? Cause then that's just a waste of time. And I think we have, we're obviously backlogged and we can talk all day about why we need more staff and all that. Um, so. I, I, I would say if we're going to come, if we're going to start notifying the attorney general or the, or the district attorney, that it be. We just notify, them. Minimal. <laughs> right? Min minimal. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're going to say that we shall, then we also, I'm going to, I'm going to, at least personally, I'm going to attach on to what notify means, which means now, you know, now still would have to track. Like, who received their records within 5 days or. You know, right and, and, and I think on that, that would be a matter of if it comes back to the task force either or. Or it could even be someone saying, telling Cheryl, I didn't receive my records. Okay, you didn't receive your records? For, get forward to the district attorney. We can handle it here too, but now we've notified them. This person says they didn't. They didn't even say that we have to, I'm not sure if Mr. says we even have to have that finding, just that someone didn't. Okay, well. So you're done. saying, oh, sorry, and I think oh, we're no, waiting. Yeah, and, and, and so, so, so the last point, then I'll, then I'll, I'll stop and, and turn back over to everyone else. So, so um, does anyone think it's, I guess the question I have, does anyone think it would be helpful for the DA to come, if we were to extend some type of invitation, have this discussion and bring the DA into that discussion. Um, even if that discussion leads to, yeah, please write us out of this if you could. I mean, or, or if you are going to notify us, hey, at least do it this way so that someone maybe will see it and do something with it. I don't know. Um, that those are my thoughts. Um, I have a thought on that, but I, I think it's Member Wolf, Wolf, Member La Hood, no, and then yeah. you can go. So Member okay. Wolf, go ahead. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of short circuit this a little bit because I know most of us have not, neither me either, have gotten through all the new amendments to the CPRA that became effective uh, January 1st. 
and you should also notate that the numbering of the California Public Records Act has changed also. Um, in Article 3, Section 7921-700-710. And it's not that long, and I'm going to read it because it's pertinent to this discussion. 700 says a state or local agency shall allow inspection or copying of any public record or class of public records not exempted by this division when requested by a district attorney. 705A, if a district attorney makes a request to a state or local agency to inspect or receive a copy of a public record or class of public records not exempted by this division and the state or local agency fails or refuses refuses to allow inspection or copying within 10 working days of that request, the district attorney may petition a court of competent jurisdiction to require the state or local agency to allow the requested inspection or copying. B, unless the public interest or good cause with withholding the requested records clearly outweighs the public interest in disclosure, the court may require the public agency to allow the district attorney to inspect or copy those records. In the last section, 710, disclosure of records to the district attorney under provisions of its, this division shall affect no change in the status of records under any other provision of law, period. So district attorney has now has some authority uh, to bring uh, uh, a, par, a, a local agency to court to be compelled uh, to produce. And I think if the, I think that I, it's pertinent to now to bring the DA before us to have a discussion. And what about maybe a memorandum of understanding that if we don't find, uh, if we find a violation or determination, that they would take that and then make their own uh, uh, inquiry uh, and request. And if the local agency still refuses to comply, then district attorney has grounds to take them to court. Interesting. Thank you, Member Wolf. Uh, Member LaHood. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Member Popel, did you have? Unfortunately, I do um, remember what I was going to say. Uh, I'm not averse to inviting uh, the DA or a, a representative. Um, it might actually be interesting to, if they're willing to show up and, and discuss, this is not um, in the context of a complaint or an interrogation. It's simply to have like a policy discussion. How do you guys handle this? What do you see this as? Is there any there there? Um, and possibly even um, I'm thinking Kesley Stewart from the city attorney's office. I mean, they're who's in charge. What, that's her function, uh, public integrity. Yeah. So, I mean, and and I'm I'm sorry. There's a lot in the brain, but I'm not remembering the name of the guy, and it was a guy at the DA's office like 20 years ago who headed special in, sorry special investigations or something like that that dealt with white collar and public corruption things. And occasionally, and I think that's the person that ethics sends things to when they are required to under their regs. There's probably a discussion to be had about how how these things are handled or how they could be handled. And either they can say, sure, we'd be happy to either on that new state law basis or da da da, or if you want to just send us a notice and we'll file it and if we care, we'll let you know, da da da. 
or say, you know, really, we, whatever, whatever their position is, it's, it's not a bad idea to engage. I, I actually think on balance, the more we try to engage with city agencies, not in a complaint context, but in a proactive collaborative way, the better things get around here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm now supportive of making the request and see where it goes. And if we broaden it to city attorney as well and, and have a separate discussion about code enforcement and ethics and whatnot, but at least the, the DA city attorney piece on how public corruption bits are handled. Cause that's sort of where this, that's how this could be thought of. Not the only way, but it's a way. Okay, not seeing any other hands to keep things moving. I'm going to make a motion on this one to authorize the chair to invite the district attorney and or her representative to join a Sunshine Ordinance Task Force meeting to discuss their role under the Sunshine Ordinance in enforcing orders for public records and compliance with open meetings laws. I'll second that. Um, but Mr. Chair, Mr. Chair, yes. I would ask that you not just um, uh, limit it to the Sunshine Ordinance, but also our our entire scope, which is that's a good point, includes the Brown Act and the Secure Act. That's what I was. Yeah, say. great, great point. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so their role under the Sunshine Ordinance, Brown Act, and California Public Records Act. We'll, we'll hit all three. That's a great point. And then I'm sorry, who seconded it? Me. You, Member Wolf. Member Wolf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can do the city attorney another time. Back. Yeah, that's not yeah. really. What's that? Can I just read this back? Yes. Okay. Uh, moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Wolf to authorize the chair to invite the district attorney and/or her representative to join a task force meeting to discuss their role for enforcement under the Sunshine Ordinance, the Brown and the Brown Act. And, Brown and, and the California Public Records Act. Yep, that's it. No, the city attorney's not in this agenda. Yeah, so I feel that another that, time. Yeah, you can. That's fine. They'll still be there. Okay. That's the motion. Okay. So not seeing any hands. Let's move to public comment on that. Uh, yes, we have one person still with us. If you'd like to make public comment, you can press star three on your telephone to raise your hand for public comment. I'm seeing no signs uh, requesting public comment. Okay, and no one's in the room, so we will go ahead and close public comment, and I think we're ready for a vote on that. You on for a vote? Yep. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member yep. Schmidt. Aye. Cheryl, use the mic. Sorry, it's fine. Uh, Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood. Aye. Member LaHood, aye. Member Stein. Aye. Member Stein, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Uh, Vice Chair Wong. 
absent. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in favor. Okay, great. Eight in favor, two absent. Let's go ahead and move on to the next item. Says we're on what sixteen. Item number 16, response timeline to public records requests, discussing implications of administrative code sections 6721 and 6725 when public records or requests are sent to city employees and officials who are not employed full-time and potentially consider drafting advisory information on this topic. Okay, so this is kind of sprung out of, of a, a discussion we, we briefly had at our last meeting. Um, and I think it, it deserves broader discussion. We may not get to the point to actually draft any advisory information here, but just something to consider, right? That 6721 and 6725 impose certain timelines for public records requests. And the Sunshine Ordinance also envisions any city official as being a custodian of public records. Um, that all being said, not every city official is a full-time employee. So, does the ordinance, this is, I guess, the broader question, is let's say any one of us or let's say it's a, a part-time whatever, get a, a, an immediate disclosure request or someone on vacation, a city employee, right? Whatever it could be, get an immediate disclosure request. And we just, we don't check our email every day. We're not city employees, right? And we don't respond until two days later. If we now violated the Sunshine Ordinance or has a part-time employee, only works Monday, Wednesday, Friday, gets a immediate, an IDR on Monday, doesn't respond until Wednesday. They've now passed the um, 6725, uh, technically, you know, the next day deadline, right? It would be due on Tuesday and they didn't even get it out until Wednesday. Um, and how we look at certain complaints or issues under that. I mean, I think obviously the California Public Records Act doesn't necessarily have the same doesn't envision the same role for every single individual it envisions more of government agencies and such, which obviously should be open on a full time basis on on regular days. Um, but I think the nuance of what expectation is there of folks who are not full time city employees have to receive and respond to requests that have tight deadlines that may have envisioned them as if they were. So that's kind of my intro to this. I don't know what folks have to think about it. Um, but that's, that's right. So any ideas? Um, I think the state law approach makes more sense. I hesitate to say, I think the idea that I, I like the idea that everyone who holds public records holds public records. I think that's sort of what's the term axiomatic, reflexive, whatever the, the word is. Um, I think that's true, but I think the idea that you can shoot an IDR to any particular city employee. I'm not talking about a specific complaint. I'm just saying any any employee or officer in whatever capacity. Uh, and that whenever they first see it, or even if they haven't seen it, that somehow they need to drop everything and respond to that is um, not particularly workable. I, uh, 
I mean, it, it, it's like handing a, a piece of paper to a muni driver and saying, you know, your uh, uh, operator bulletins that you got this morning, I want a copy of them by, you know, tomorrow afternoon at, at, at 5 p.m. And they're going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you say, well, here, I just served a, an IDR on you. And they're like, uh, get off my bus, you know. And, and if that's the implication, again, I don't think that's workable. I would distinguish that on the other end from um, a department head, a border commission secretary, uh, the front office person at any agency, um, the executive assistant to those folks. I mean, they're a small group of people that know or should know that anything that says immediate disclosure request or that says sunshine, whatever, that's got some magic words on it needs to get handled in a certain way. And there's a reasonable expectation that a general email box that not just Victor.young at SFGov, but that's, you know, BOS or BOS records or some, you know, records request at sfdph.org is going to be checked by not just one, but two or three people. So at least once a day, that'll get checked and get responded to. And that seems reasonable to me. And I'm, I am happy to hold those people to, did you check it and did you do a diligent search? And was it all reasonable as opposed to you handed a, a, a note to a bus driver and and expected them to to go do something about it. That's just how's that for member provocative? I would like for this to be called the LaHood Amendment. Um, so for those who don't know, I got an immediate disclosure request to my Sunshine Ordinance Task Force email, which I set up separately to segregate it from my other personal and work email, and I don't check it daily because I was also on vacation when it came in. It got buried, it got lost in a chain of responses, and I didn't realize that the initial request was made to me. Um, as soon as I found out, I did you know, respond. I want to respond, but I agree with the proposal that there are certain employees or that every department needs to have a particular you know, email, phone number, person who receives immediate disclosure requests and is responsible for, you know, attempting to fulfill those requests. But yeah, the idea that immediate disclosure requests, especially for part-time or unpaid commission and task force members seems, you know, I, and I didn't realize how much of a problem this might be until it happened to me. So, and I, I, I'm sorry that I didn't see it sooner because I'm sure, because we know that this has happened to other people, but that's it. Stack. Sugarman. I just have a question about um, 6725. Mm -hmm. It just talks about not saying the 10 day period for a response. And I, I don't know what is up for discussion in terms of amending, but like, what does that 10 day period encompass? It, it's actually, if you read further, it says, um, it talks about media disclosure requests and how it's a essentially imposes a, a, a 25 one day turnaround time. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, it says a written request for information described in any category of non-exempt public information shall be satisfied no later than the close of business on the following day of the request. This deadline shall apply only if the words immediate disclosure request are placed along the right, top right, of the request. Right. So theoretically, if any of us get an email on our SFGov, well, well we don't have SFGov ones, no. on our fake SFGov ones, we probably set up through Gmail since the city won't give us an SFGov one. And it says immediate disclosure request and and we, you know, they send it on Monday and we don't read our email until Wednesday. We've now potentially violated 6725 and this is not just about protecting us, right? There's hundreds, if not over a thousand volunteer 
city you know, board and commission members, not to mention all the part time employees of the city who may not check their email every day or who may be in jobs that don't allow them to check their email every day. Like, like to, to member Pilpo's point, I don't know if a bus driver has the opportunity to check their email. They might just go into the office once a week to do like their timesheet administrative paperwork. And someone could say, I emailed it to so and so at sfmta.org and or common, whatever, and you didn't answer it till five days later. And so I think I think member Hood brought up an excellent point. It, it kind of which piggybacked on mem um, member Pilpel's point that having like a central IDR contact point for every city department and agency makes a lot of sense. This way there could be adequate staffing. There's no excuse, right? If so and so normally has that, that task and they're on vacation, they there's can back back. there's backup. Yeah. Right. But requiring all of us who are volunteers or part-time people or people not in the office to monitor every mode of communication and respond to it within 24 hours seems, frankly, it seems absurd. And, you know, I think it'd get into a whole bunch of other violations of, you know, if, if you're requiring us to have, you know, basically 24-hour access to our email, are we technically employees and are we volunteers anymore and, and so forth and so on, right? So I think there's a lot that this could snowball into and, um, you know, it finally affected us, but I think we've over the years maybe heard versions of this complaint from from uh, respondents, and and I think it's time that we figure out how to address it. I think yeah. I think twenty four hours seems kind of ridiculous for people who maybe are full time too. Like maybe there should be an expansion of like the definition of what an immediate disclosure request is for both part time All and right. full time people. <laughs> Click uh, me next, please. Oh, I'll give you up for member Stein. Yeah, I, I mean, I know we're we're speaking kind of narrowly to this issue of part-time officials, but to me, there are larger issues with the way IDR is written. I know there's like disagreement. I think on the task force, even in how we interpret what an IDR is, and I think partly it's the language of, you know, the IDR itself. Like, I tend to be 1 of the people who interprets it. I mean, when I imagine, like, how you're supposed to use an IDR, I'm thinking of, like, someone who walks into a government office, asks for some really simple piece of information that there's no reason they shouldn't be able to get it immediately. And that's, to me, the purpose of the IDR. But I have seen so many IDR requests on this um, task force where, you know, people are involved in lawsuits and litigation and they're asking for something where, like, it turns up a thousand documents and then we get a case because it wasn't provided in one day or, you know, 10 days or whatever. And to me, there's some, there's a problem with the way that the IDR has been written. And maybe if we address this piece of it, we can address some other pieces of it as well. Thank you, Member Stein. Uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, I mean, I was going to use the same example, uh, you know, Folks that are involved in legal matters, uh, where they they are on a, a timeline that is, you know, they have to meet in a different venue, uh, and they need to get discovery going, uh, and to ask, you know, for documents, uh, you know, with a quick turnaround time, uh, if the law as we have it uh, allow it. And, you know, I think that that is appropriate um, because, you know, there's the whole judicial system is, is all bogged down anyway. So anything to help create more expediency in that venue is also helpful, too. Now, with regards to IDRs, as far as timeliness, I'd like to know how many we've actually uh, had to deal with. 
I mean, when you think about the number of complaints we get per year, okay, let's leave an, the whole uh, uh, you know batch of anonymous aside, okay? We basically hear probably 60 to 70 complaints per year, okay? And if you count how many complaints are actually brought in, you know, throughout the whole year, it is a smidgen of a splinter of the number of requests that are made throughout the entire city in in per, per year, maybe even per month. So, we're, you know, if we're not really talking about a huge problem here. Okay. Now, I understand that the that there's this issue with regards to, um, you know, folks who are volunteer don't read their emails that often like us, a lot of us and all that. I get that. But the 6725 has some provisions to help things out like that. Like, so if the the um, uh, documents were voluminous or they need you needed to consult with somebody else in order to get the documents, all you have to do within 24 hours, is just notify the person whether you, you have the documents or not. First of all, you don't have to necessarily produce them. And then you get 10 days and beyond the 10 days, you can do it on a rolling basis. So, I mean, there's there's a few different options there in order to be able to do that. And we usually don't get too much resistance from respondents anyway, uh, when it comes comes to that. So um, that's all I have to say about it for now. Thanks. Thank you, Member Wolf. Member Popel. Um, again, not to try not to belabor in part to um, member Sugarman's question. From, 1999, from 1993 to 1999, the original version of the ordinance had a much narrower description of what qualified for an immediate disclosure request, and it was along the lines of what member Stein uh, discussed. The I just walked into the office, you've got an agenda posted, can I get a copy of that agenda? You know, you've got an agenda item for tomorrow night, uh, apparently there's a new staff report. Can I get a copy of the staff report? I really need this because I really need this. It's different from, can you go back into your files and find the as built drawings from 1950 for the tunnel or pipeline that DPW, you know, may have on microfiche or maybe in Iron Mountain storage somewhere. Um, so there was a, a distinction there. The amendments in 1999 removed that distinction and said, you can dress up any records request, call it an IDR, you know, send it at, at three in the morning by email, what, whether or not you know the person's on vacation. And if they don't get to it and, and you feel peeved about it, bring a complaint to the task force and we're off to the races, right? So it, it took an idea, a good idea of an immediate disclosure request being a readily accessible, easy thing and made it, yeah, anything qualifies. Well, that that therein lies the problem, and that makes uh, respondent sorry that makes complainants feel empowered and yet kind of crazy that they can't always get what they want, and it drives respondents crazy because they you know either aren't always checking the thing or somebody's on it, it creates all kinds of problems, and so that is an issue to deal with with the amendments. Do we want to keep the same uh, process, the same definitions, the same response time, all of that, or do we see it differently? And do we want to propose a different spin on it? Something to think about. I have another comment. 
Okay, go ahead, Member Wolf. How about a happy medium where I wasn't an IDR must be accompanied by um, some proof of urgency? They don't have to give a reason why they need it. They just need to show that it's needed in a shorter period, you know, within the shorter period of time. Like if they have, if they're on a docket or there's a, a, a written deadline by another agency or, you know, something like, you know, they, they have a contracting issue uh, that they have to deal with on a deadline of some sort, that kind of thing. Or if they knew about it. I mean, uh, me personally, and then I, I'll get yeah. um, I really am uncomfortable with that idea. That's an extremely subjective type of standard. And if we think we see complaints now, wait until we make it even more subjective. Um, I mean, me personally, I'm thinking, I forget who first proposed it, I think it was Member LaHood, have a, a, a central mailbox and, and remove at least from IDRs, remove the responsibility from a person to a department. Um, I think that still recognizes the overall custodian of records and puts us under the normal, you know, 6721 requirements. But I, I, I think it's incredibly problematic to have IDRs going to literally every single employee, volunteer, city official. Um, I, I think it's unworkable. I think um, I'm actually surprised we haven't seen more of this. And I think part of that's just because immediate disclosure requests is such an, you know, Odd type of language is buried in in the sunshine orange that most of the public doesn't know about. Um, but Mr. Chair, Mr. Chair, you, the one thing that happens that we see more often is that we get folks that have no idea where documents are. So you put it in the hands of somebody else, and the purpose of the way the ordinance was written so that it was a person, so you get to the person who actually has it. Departments don't necessarily. "Quote unquote," have it. They have to go looking around for it. Not, not somebody... member Wolf, but I did have member Sugarman after me, and then oh, member the hood. Um, so member Sugarman. Um, so I think that you instead of um, you know saying that there's a, a proof of urgency for it, you could at least do a uh, like, and you could define it what a reasonable request is for an IDR, like how many, how much of a document production there is for one, first of all, like how many pages, and then also extend just from a day, not to something ridiculous, but like five days, like something that's not like a 24 hour turnaround. Um, and that's, like I said, I mean, you can expand the definitions for people who are part-time or volunteer, but like just as a general place to start. And that's that's all I had to suggest. Thank you, uh, Member Hood. Okay, so wearing a couple different hats as a journalist, I do not think we should get rid of IDRs, and I don't think we should because there is a lot of information out there that can be satisfied quick turnaround. I also agree with, and now I can't remember who said what, but the idea of being able to, and maybe it was Member Wolf, being able to go to directly to the source of where you think the information is. So I think. We either need to say, if you're filing an IDR with an individual and you want it to be considered an ID, fully considered an IDR, you also have to file with the department that you're making that request. Or we figure out, I, I mean, I think that might be easier than trying to exclude certain categories of people. So, you know, in, in with, with commissioners and board members and task force members and other people who are not 
either not paid or not full time. If the request is sent to them, because they're the person who's most likely able to respond, but it is also sent to the department at minimum, the person in the department can either. Uh, contact them directly and say, hey, this came through, or they can tell the person who sent it in that person is only in on Tuesdays or they're, you know, they're, they're gone for the next 2 weeks and the immediate response can be made. So there's clarity for the person asking without the expectation that they're always going to get a response in 24 hours from this specific person they're trying to reach. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think that almost gets to the, the, the spirit of what the, the part and B says that I get to the, uh, documents are in a remote storage facility. I mean, okay, now, I guess you could argue that my email is a remote, remote storage facility of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force office, right? Okay. You know, Angela and, and Cheryl can't go access it, right? right. It's remote to them, yeah. right? So they, under under the scenario you described, could, could you know respond in 24 hours and say, okay, we received your request, we're going to see if the documents exist, and then reach out to me to try to obtain those records. I think that's absolutely an effective way to implement it. It'd get, because I, I, I totally agree. I don't think getting rid of IDR is, is the way to go. I right. think it serves a very valuable purpose, but we have to have a mechanism that actually makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, I number seven, I'll go to you. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't, I don't want to get rid of IDRs either, but I think that just should be very clear the, the situations in which you can use them and how to use them. And they can be, it can be better written than it is now. And I just want to say, I just went and sort of looked through my data on last year's complaints. You know, we heard 55 complaints. We found seven IDR violations and separate complaints. I don't have, you know, the complaints that we didn't find it in, but I would guess that it's like, you know, it's like a significant percent, like maybe 20% mm -hmm. yeah. of yeah. the complaints yeah. that we're hearing are IDR related. So I think it could be cleaned up in some way that makes it more workable and that would be good to do, but it's, you know, this is just a very open end discussion. I yeah. feel like we need a, it to go through some committee where they really kind of hash out, here's what we think is a good proposal and then we can get really specific about it. Um, uh, member Pupel, then I'll get to you, Member Wolf. Okay. Um, so once again, yes, uh, I agree that uh, compliance should be looking at this issue among the various things in the big basket. We may need to order a larger basket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think the one thing that we actually could do as the task force with our uh, limited staff uh, in the next few months is depending on how you define departments in the city, there are arguably between 50 and 60 or so departments. I suspect that we have something like a list of the departments, the department head, who we think is the custodian of records. We could probably edit and, and finagle a list of what we think is a department, um, the primary custodian of records, a phone number, an address, um, and ask them each for a general email address for records requests from that department, figure out what's the best information on that and put it on our website. And when someone calls or contacts the task force and says, I'm not getting what I need from MTA, PUC, the health department, blah, blah, blah. You say, have you looked at you know, SOTF SFGov slash IDR, and we've got a list there. And they'll say, but I, oh, that's helpful, right? You know, we we can do some proactive things with the departments and, and put on that page, we're not requiring you to, but if you make a records request and copy it to this person, much better chance that it'll get looked at every day and you may get your records sooner. Just a thought. 
and I see Cheryl waving. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. People who say, I didn't get my records. When it's did your you mic- ask? They don't tell you when you ask, when they ask. I, I, I didn't get my records. Well, who did you send the request to? Well, I sent it to the general email box. I'll say, no, you have to contact the custodian record. This is their name. This is their email address. I clean this stuff up all the time from people who don't have information readily available to them, or they get so frustrated they even know where to look. That's so, my experience. So I am not volunteering to create this list right now. I've got other things to do, but this is an idea of something we could do proactively sooner rather than later and put it on our website. And I have member Wolf, so let me get to him real fast. And I'm not convinced it's going to actually solve a lot because I feel like given the way the IDR is written, there are many, it seems like we have many petitioners who believe that they should be able to make an IDR request to anybody and they have the right to get that information in a day. And if you know, and if they don't hear back in a day, it's a violation that they're going to bring in front of the task force. I mean, I understand it, but I, I don't know. And even the index to records that's online is completely out of date. Like right. half of it to 75% of it is inaccurate at this point. I feel like it still needs to be solved through, you know, rethinking the IDR. But, we but both. yeah, let me, let me grab member Wolf here. Uh, I asked him to hold. So go ahead, member Wolf. So I, I just want us to be clear that. You know, this concept of a quote unquote department's custodian records, you know, that that's a misnomer. I'm sorry. Every person who has a record is the custodian of that record. Okay. Uh, we have a superintendent of records. That's somebody that oversees that, but there is no quote unquote, like position of custodian of records for this particular purpose. And and I don't accept that at all. Um, you know, if you want, if you don't want it to be a person, then just do away with the sunshine ordinance and go back to you doing just CPRA, like most other uh, municipalities. And then you're talking about it's got to go to a department, and then the department has to go retrieve the records. Okay, I don't think I hope not many of us or all of us in this room want that. Okay, that would be uh, that would be a travesty, uh, especially for what the voters want wanted to do. Um, the other thing is is um, we can make just ask the board of supervisors to make kind of a general adjunct ordinance for function that every department uh, would do, and what and and that would be is exactly what member LaHood. Had suggested. I like exactly. I like that. I like exactly what she said. I think was spot on. And I think that if the board of supervisors would to put out a general ordinance saying that, you know, there should be a you know uh, a, a kind of like a, maybe a listserv or some general IDR whatever. You have the person's name on it, but there is always somebody to actually see it. And make sure that the person who it's supposed to go to gets notice of it uh, within 24 hours. Okay, thank you, Mayor Wolf. Do we have anything else on this? I'm not sure this is really needs to be an action item now. I think there's some great thoughts that maybe you could take back when you get to this part of the ordinance. We'd love to. 
So <laughs> I'll just want to, I just want to throw in that that suggestion was something I've also heard put forward by that informal group of mm -hmm. they call themselves custodians of records to as a kind of um, best practice for the different agencies and departments to always make sure that there's somebody there to receive an IDR. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's already something they're recommending to people who are coming to them and saying, how do we deal with this? Um, so maybe it should come from us. That's actually really great to hear. Yeah. 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 All right, I think it's a productive conversation. Let's uh, see if there's any public comment on it, and then we'll get to, our, I think, our last item here. So is there any public comment on this item? Okay, uh, if our one caller would like to comment on this matter, you can press star three to raise your hand to indicate you'd like to make public comment. Uh, there's no signs of uh, public comment at this time. Okay, no one in the room, so public comment's closed, and let's move on to... The last hearing, which is item number 17. 17. Yep, no action on that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Item number 17, public comment at task force meetings. Discuss public comment periods at the task force meeting and its ideal placement for agenda items. Okay. Um, so this is an item I put on, and, and I think this was something that we heard maybe from anonymous and maybe from other people back in the day when we were looking at ways to improve how um, we hear complaints. Um, and so I believe I attached a copy of the, the bylaws to this mm -hmm. um, for everyone to look at, right? Um, so if you want to scroll to section 11, it actually has the hearing procedures for complaints. And these are kind of what I read earlier today when I introduced the first complaint and how this, this goes, right? So I think there's, there's you know, kind of two concerns that I have. Um, the first concern is that public comment doesn't get triggered when we're hearing complaints until after a motion is made. Um, I think a lot of public commenters have expressed their desire to share their thoughts and opinions before we make a motion. And I know on, on my end, I, I find a lot of times their feedback very helpful um, when trying to, to um, think of a motion or how we're gonna handle something. So it seems kind of oddly placed that we take public comment after we actually make a motion. And so what I oftentimes see happening is we make a motion, we take public comment, um, then we decide, hey, you know, someone had a really good point, so then we decide to amend it or rescind an emotion, we make another motion, this, this kind of cycle goes on a few times around. And we've somehow also gotten, and I can't find it in the ordinance, in our procedures or anywhere else, that, that says that we are required to take public comment every single time we make a motion versus on every item. Um, we, I, we've had sometimes issues where we try to amend or change or tweak um, a, a motion and we open up another round of public comment. Now, like I said, I take the public comment very, I, I think it's very important and I wanna be informative and I think actually having it earlier in the process would be more informative. But I also don't think three or four or five rounds of public comment on a single item is what the Sunshine Ordinance envisioned, and I can't see it anywhere in there. Um, and certainly not how the Board of Supervisors conducts their meetings or how many other meetings, if, if not all their meetings, get conducted. Not to say that if it's a like a policy hearing or, or a um, like the administrative report to calling public comment multiple times might not, not be a good, you know, it might be very beneficial, particularly if the topics kind of, you know, range quite a bit. But I think the uh, multiple rounds of public comment on every minute amendment um, motion to, to amend, even if it's fairly non-substantive, 
in the course of hearing a complaint isn't the most productive thing. So those are my thoughts on this. I don't know if anyone else has thoughts. If we do want to tweak where this is, this is a bylaw meeting. We would have to um, notice it and, and do it in a future meeting. So that's my thought. Um, Member Wolf, did you have comments? Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. Um, you know, we're bound by Robert's rules, first of all. And by Robert's rules requires that um, at that procedure is that public comment comes um, after a motion is made. That said, the Brown Act also has provisions that public testimony uh, 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 be given before a decision is made. So, um, you know, generally, it's not general practice, even in this city, on almost everybody, every meeting body I know of, and Member Pelpel's been to a lot of those meetings too, where public comment is given before a motion is made, and then they'd have to give public comment again after the motion is made. Because it may not be what they what was there they wanted to speak about on, on the motion before that. So I, I it's a bit of a slippery slope. I'll stop there. Member Popo. Um so a couple of things. Under the task forces bylaws, page 227 of the, the packet, conduct of meetings, 5A, except where state or local laws or other rules provided to the contrary meeting shall be governed by Robert's rules of order. So the task force agreed to use Robert's rules. It's not that we're, that anyone forced us to. And I'm not opposed to that. I'm not aware of Robert's rules. Robert, Robert's rules and my understanding do not speak to the question of public comment. Public comment is something that happens under the Brown Act and under the Sunshine Ordinance. So it's taking all of that together. My understanding is that both the Brown Act and the Sunshine Ordinance require at least one opportunity for public comment on each agenda item prior to the body taking action on the item. So whether it's the Board of Supervisors hearing something at committee, which may get changed in committee or may get to the full board and doesn't have uh, public comment at the full board, or whether it's the planning commission uh, hearing a case of, you know, one, two, three, four, uh, 46th Avenue, um, they'll take public comment on everything related to that case. And if the planning commission decides to go off and talk about the color of the stucco or the length of the deck extension, and you didn't comment on that, that's your problem. Um, they may choose to reopen public comment on a narrow issue or any issue um, if the body decides to, but they're not required to. Um, and anyway, back to the, the main question, I agree that, it, that public comment on complaints is currently too late in the process. Um, on page 228, uh, I am, we're not acting on this tonight, but I'm open to moving that either to um, after item two or after item four. So either um, before or after uh, rebuttals. Um, and I think kind of hearing, essentially hearing all of the testimony from both sides and public comment. So it's all on the record and then we can noodle through it and say, okay, that's interesting. Now I have a question for you and I wanna think about this and let's talk about blah, blah, blah. And then we make a motion and dispose of the matter. And if people don't 
if people like it, great. And if they don't like it, they have other recourse. And we're done with that matter. It, it's a beautiful dream, I know. But um, so, yes, I am open to moving that. I don't think it's the highest priority thing. I don't know that it's a standalone bylaw amendment that needs to happen next month. If you want to do that, fine. But I, yes, I agree that it should be moved up and we should only open public comment a second time or a third time in an item when the chair or the body deems that it is useful to the body. Thank you, Member Popo. Any other thoughts on this? I have another, but I'll yield to anybody else who wants to speak first. Hasn't spoken yet. Do we think it's a good idea, not a good idea? Um, I, I'm happy to write up a, a bylaw change. I, I was thinking, you know, in, in my mind, somewhat along the lines of what Member Pilpel was about where to put it. Um, I think it makes sense to get the entirety of the testimony um, before we make a motion. But uh, go ahead. I guess I feel very mixed about it because I feel like having it late in the process gives them a chance to, you know, really speak to specifically what we intend to do. But I can see the argument for having it early in the process as well is that they can express their general concerns, but then, you know, if it veers off in some direction where they haven't thought about it, they haven't, um, you know, got, you know, commented on it earlier, then they don't have an opportunity probably in many cases to speak on it. So I feel like it's both ways have strengths and weaknesses for the public. Uh, Member Sugarman. Uh, I just, I think it makes sense to move it literally up like what Mr. Pilpel said, like beneath number four, like just move it up one spot. Um, because if, if I were a member of the public and I heard the entire case and I was, I was on one side of it, like I was, I was calling in to support someone and then the board had already made a motion. It just, it would kind of feel like I was like, the decision was taken out of my hands to make it to influence it at all. So, I mean, I, I still think that. Um, the most important parties to hear from are, you know, the complainant and the respondent, but like putting the public comment right before the motion is made seems to make sense to me. Other thoughts you think should be, I, you know, I understand that, but also, you know, sometimes we will take public comment and amend the motion. We'll recognize that public comment. Um, because I, I think we're going to go down the slippery slope that that member Wolf mentioned that. If we take any public comment and there's any motion afterwards, because it's been our practice, they're going to be clamoring for a second public comment, and that's just how it's going to be. So. Well, right. I mean, that that seems to have been our practice, even though. Do you want to spend months retraining but, everybody? But that's that's if you go by what he was saying about Robert's rules, right? Like, like you don't necessarily have to have two public comments unless right. that's you know bound by requirement. I mean. This is what's in our meeting procedures on the actual agenda uh, that we publish every time is, is now item number seven. Vote by task force. Public comment at discretion of chair on new motion and or new motion if vote fails. So there is, it even warns folks that you, there's no guarantee of, of any public comment on additional motions. Okay. Um, that seems to have been the direction we go as, as the precedent. I'm just curious, perhaps Victor could chime in. Um, this is a test to see if Victor's still with us. Uh, on, uh, I think I hear him on uh, what 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 Board of Supervisors does with that with this matter. How do they handle it? One shot at the end, right? 
Well, I, this yeah. is this is Member Wolf. I, I can get Victor's not <laughs> there to answer it. He failed. The board of, the board of supervisors has a diff a little bit of a different process uh, because all almost all public comment happens at the committee level mm -hmm. on items, not at the main board of supervisors. So it's a it's a, a little bit different process. But if I may, I, I don't know where you're reading, um, uh, Chair Yankee, but in number seven, I don't see that language. No, it, it's, on the, it's on every agenda. So, for instance, if you open our current agenda, the agenda itself, I don't know how it got in there, right? Okay. And you look at page on this, it's PDF page five, page five noted at the bottom about midway through, it says meeting procedures. And it's one through seven. And I sort of yeah. read number seven. Okay. I don't know how public comment at the discrete that that parenthetical. I don't know how that made that in there. <laughs> I don't know if that, that how that it, it exists in any of our governing documents. Um, Member Popo, so two things, uh, and again, this isn't the most critical, but maybe it's a, a small project for Cheryl and Victor um, to better align the language in the bylaws with the language on the meeting yeah. boilerplate and if they both need to get fixed then let's fix both of them but it seems odd to have to be saying one thing in the procedures and then saying something else in the agenda that that's kind of confusing yeah. um and there was something else on oh i think the the reality is and maybe in part because i'm now on the other side here I just don't think there's a whole lot of public comment on cases, either at committee or before the task force. Usually people who have public comment, who have comments on cases are actually involved in the case. Yes, there's the occasional Mr. or Mr. But other than that, the case stuff is largely case driven by the parties. So I'm not saying we shouldn't have public comment. We should. We should be so lucky that the room is filled with people that have uh, views on both sides. The reality is that's not so happening. Um, and and I think our, our our task here is to figure out where's the best place for it, not to cut it out, but where's the best place that best informs the discussion. Can you limit like comment on a case to be about the case? It it, 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 it should be about the case. Okay. Um, that's the idea. That's the idea. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've seen the meetings, like what you're saying, where, where public comment just happens about anything. So that's, that's what I mean. Like, it's, right. We have, we have oh, the general. And then there's, we have a general public comment, which is whatever you want. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I guess personally, I would be interested in seeing, and maybe I'll, I'll do some more watching and, and, and I have done some, but to have our, how we handle this setup align more closely with how other. Adjudicative bodies are doing it right. The ethics commission, the planning commission, the board of appeals. Um, from what I've seen, we're not really following the same way all these other boards are doing it, and that seems kind of odd to me. They're not having multiple rounds, like to Mr. Pilpel's point. If if there's an appeal on a on a, on a building or, or or whatever, and there's five items of that, and they adjust it and say, okay, the height's this, but they don't reopen public comment and have. The whole thing now that they they changed the deck height and then someone says well gosh yeah, okay the deck now let's talk about the front facade and okay and re go for it's once per item at an appropriate time i think it needs to be so that and it may be where it still is i don't know um 
but and, and again, this isn't like the largest problem. I do think it's something. It, it's a thing, right? So I think it's something to think about. It doesn't have to happen tonight or or next meeting. Um, but I have an idea. Yeah, what's that, Member Wolf? So um, I hear what you're saying. I, I do not want to align us with how the Board of Appeals operates uh, in that kind of way. They have a very specific job. You actually have to pay to actually have your appeal. I mean, it's a very stringent kind of different animal. And I think we're here, you know, for the people, you know, our that's our job. And so it, it's a very different thing. But my idea is here, we do have a section after each opening statement from each of the parties for any additional facts or evidence, uh, you know, that others might want to provide on either side of those parties. We could extend that to members of the public that want to speak about the one or the other side's um, uh, introduction, and they would also then be allowed uh, uh, extended uh, an opportunity for public comment after a motion is made. And the reason why I say that is if you were to bring public comment in only before a motion is made, the public really doesn't know what you plan on doing. And they, the idea of the public testimony coming after the motion is because then they know what your intention is. And uh, that's transparency. That's important. I'll stop there. That sounds like a fair perspective too. Just saying now that I already put it the other way around. Well, I would only add to this and to member Wolf, who knows as well as I, that CEQA appeals and CU appeals uh, at the Board of Supervisors, which are heard by the full board and not at committee, require folks to either speak in support of the appeal or in opposition to the appeal. And there's no, you know, I just wanted to inform the board, but I've got a mixed view on it. No, nope, you have to pick sides. Um, and I've argued uh, with Clerk Calvillo and others in the clerk's office to change that uh, procedure to allow general public comment, not on one side or the other, but so people could give a mixed view prior to closing the hearing. And there are instances here where someone may say, you know what, I don't think the department is fully right, but I also think the complainant is not fully right, and I would do blah, blah, blah. You could find a third way, right? So that's the kind of public comment that in some cases is actually helpful. It varies. Um, but I, I sort of reject the idea that you should always have to line up um, either with or against the a complainant. Fair enough. Well, we can leave things for now as they are. Just food for thought. We'll see how things go. Nothing else. Anything else? We can open this up to public comment. Yes. Yeah, so uh, if you'd like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand. Press star three to raise your hand to indicate you want to make public comment. No hand raised at this time. Okay, we'll close public comment and move on to the next item. No action taken. Item number 18 announcements, comments, questions, and future agenda items by members of the Sunshine Task Force. 
Okay. Does anyone have anything for this item? I don't have any new items. I just wanted to observe uh, briefly on my first meeting on return, member Sugarman's first meeting. Um, although we only heard one case, I think this was great to actually not do a lot of casework tonight, but to do some housekeeping and really dig into some policy things. I think it reflects that we've got a range of views, which is great. Um, and I hope we do more of this. And also get through the case backlog. So yeah, uh, ne next meeting will be back heavy on the case. Back to the future. Yeah, <laughs> just to give everyone a warning. Okay. Anything else in this item? All right. Not seeing any any public comment on the comments that we made on this item. Yes. If you'd like to make public comment, you can raise your hand. Star three on the telephone. There appears to be no public comment on this matter. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment and move to the, I believe, final item. Item number 19, adjournment. Okay, uh, all, 1046. Yep, all in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, we adjourn without objection. Good to see you folks and welcome. Thank, Thank you. you.